0: What? Listening to this podcast right now! Do you wanna hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh music, television, and more? Oh my god. Well you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, <laughs> and you get podcastrophe oh hosted by me. Yes. Dick. Yes. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's yes. your choice. Yes. Yeah. This is a podcastrophe.
1: That sounds so awesome. What on earth is that? It's a Journey Into Comics Network
0: production! <laughs> the following podcast, scheduled for one fall, <laughs> is for the Journey Into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. J.I. Jump! J.I. Jump! J.I. Jump! J.I. Because a warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath. I got the whole damn world in my hands. Your arms are just too short to box with God.
1: You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside, I am Napalm Death! Welcome to Villain Enterprises! No fame, no company, no entity, all from wrestling, we are No more questions about that damn country. Here I come.
0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back once again to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's Journey into Wrestling, season four, episode seventeen. As always, I am your host Nate, and today joining me, like the misfits joined Vampiro back in the early '90s or late '90s, early 2000s. Welcome to our show once again, the man we love and we know he's the best in the world, Buckles. How you doing?
1: i i am surviving how you doing man uh
0: well i think you said it best i think we are all surviving in this insanity i just got a shot of wake up juice right before the show so that <laughs> was a lot of fun to to have happen literally 12 seconds before we were initially going to
1: record um
0: but yeah man i'm doing all right uh hanging in there in this crazy time how have you been
1: i am i, I I was kind of explaining to you off air, I've been uh, feeling pretty bouncy lately, and uh, not in the uh, bubbly and hyperactive way, but uh, very flexible, very adaptable. Um, trying to do event planning in a uh, in a setting when no one knows what the hell's going to happen the next day, the next week, the next month, um, and then relying on volunteers when no one knows who's going to be anywhere and where. It's uh, a little hair-raising at times. <laughs> I've uh, I've been driving around a, a van load of National Guardsmen for the last four weeks now. And oh, what fun! Yeah, oh, it's it's wild. They're, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm actually having a blast with some of them. There, there are a few that are just great people and just fun as shit to deal with. But it's uh, it's a trip, man. It's uh, I never, never would I would I ever have thought I would be in a position where I'm kind of looked to as a point of stability. I guess. I'm one of the veterans at our uh, at our office. I'm one of the few people that runs our program that can be relied upon and not and just left alone to handle what's going on. And now I've got people reporting to me and guardsmen that are asking me questions. And it's a uh, it's a trip, man.
0: You can't just go fuck it, I don't know, and throw your hands up and run away, can you?
1: Well, no, I just I say uh, fuck it, I don't know, throw my hands up, and I go. So we're going to figure this out one way or the other. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work go. or not. Look we're at that positive.
0: The power of positivity. Yes.
1: Oh, man. I think I've said to myself, we'll make it work Um, at least probably 30 times a day for the last two
0: weeks. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, having adaptability is really good, and I think that that's kind of an amazing little introductory segue into our show today, because I feel like the wrestling world itself has learned
1: adaptability. It really has. Um, The last couple of weeks, and the centerpiece being this past weekend, kind of, It is amazing how things are different and how people are changing to suit the times, to fit the times. And really, it's amazing to me because if you look at the modern wrestling world, even in the last two weeks, things are changing on the fly. And we don't know what's going to happen next and not in the way that we're used to. Yeah,
0: uh, especially you hear things like, oh, they just moved the peak. And that's like, oh, that means that we're nowhere near the start of this. Like, we still haven't even peaked. That's scary. Two months, we haven't peaked. That's, I mean, I don't want to sit here and talk about coronavirus and all this bullshit because it is a real downer. But that's a shocking thing to think about, you know. And then to get kind of back to the wrestling world, man, we've had some pay-per-views, or at least a pay-per-view. We've had some pretty decent matches. We're building towards another event Mm -hmm. in Double or Nothing. Uh it's somebody said it and I don't remember who said it I don't know it might have been you even that tweeted it but they said nobody can do empty arena wrestling better than AEW
1: I think they've got it about well nailed honestly Um, I mean yeah
0: it's flawless
1: it's it's as good as it can be I think is the right way to put it like it's never going to be perfect and it's not and even they struggle with certain things but I think that they even mentioned it on air and kind of showed it, pointed out uh, tonight. And this is a, a unique show for us in that we just watched Dynamite, or I just watched Dynamite, and can actually re- react to something very quickly. Uh, they mentioned on Dynamite tonight, "Hey, we're testing everybody as they come in." Uh, they pointed out in the on the wrestlers wearing wristbands, "Hey, that wristband means they were tested on the way in and tested negatively." Wow, that's. So, I mean, cool. they're actually pointing it out, which is kind of cool. <clears throat> they're not
0: avoiding it; they're actually being. Yeah, behind they're, the scenes, breaking the yes, fourth wall about it.
1: Very much so. Um, I mean, I
0: think that's very AEW. Uh,
1: it is. It it is, and it's it's kind of refreshing. Not just in the sense of wrestling, where WWE refuses to acknowledge it beyond saying, you know, current situation or uh, the current environment or whatever the case is. But you turn on the TV and you don't hear pandemic you don't hear coronavirus you don't hear COVID-19 you hear uncertainty you hear uh uncertain times or unusual or eventful or whatever it's like Troubling. people are fucking afraid to say it say it this isn't Voldemort this isn't he who must not be named say the fucking yeah. name
0: yeah I agree I, and I, and I think the thing that was really kind of s- like startling and shocking especially us being podcasters is like YouTubers have had the the proverbial, like, target on their back. Mm-hmm. If they say the word coronavirus or COVID-19 on their channel, they yeah. can be literally completely blocked and shut down yeah. forever.
1: It's, uh, I think Brando mentioned that a while back. Uh, actually, the episode uh, last, he was on with us a couple weeks back, he mentioned that. Yeah. It's uh, Absolutely. It's a wild world we're living in, man. Uh, and... When when professional wrestling is the tamest of the things that we can talk about, that's always a, a very strange stretch.
0: Yeah, but, um, man, I just want to get into it. Like, it, I, It's already difficult for you because the craziness you've had to be enduring in all this time. And, of course, in my life, it's kind of like the counter-opposite. There's like a whole new paradigm in my home. Things have totally Right. tonally shifted right which is fine it's 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 a good change and i'm happy that we're all under one roof and everything but like it is still an adjustment and things aren't perfect you know you said i, I don't remember if we were off air or on air about talking about things that can just in a moment's notice set you off about mm-hmm. something in these times or troubling times or coronavirus times or whatever you want to say like it's because there's so much mounting uncertainty and one thing that I, you know i had a friend the other day man i just want to bring this up really quick because i think sure. it's poignant the other day I had a friend who was like, I just cry all the time and I don't know why. And I yeah. said, y- you don't know why? I was like, can I enlighten you on something? And they were like, sure. And I was like, "It's not. it's not because you're necessarily feeling sad. It's because all of the world is sad and uncertain right now. Mm-hmm. And that is an energy wave that is substantially in the right. air. And morphic fields are real. If you don't know what a morphic field is, go learn about it. Go read about it. It will absolutely blow your mind scientists and monkeys in two different parts of a continent absolutely will do some shocking, crazy stuff. But anyways, back to wrestling. I know that it's hard for you to watch wrestling in these times, but what have you been getting down on lately, man?
1: Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Actually, I was going to say the segment for a little bit later on in the show, but let's kind of lead off with it. Let's start with something a little different. Sure. Um I don't have uh, my normal top ten or whatever, and the reason behind that isn't, it's kind of twofold, really. Um, part of me would like to have a top ten because even though WWE and AEW are maybe not having the volume of matches and that you would normally see, you're still watching as much wrestling, or I'm still watching as much wrestling. It's just harder for me to find enjoyment in some of these matches because there's not much to them. There's no... The storyline behind it isn't as, as driving a lot of times. There's a lot of filler, it seems like. And it's harder for me to get into a lot of stuff... I have I personally I struggle with watching something after the fact. Like I'm not good at watching T V shows after the fact. I'm not really the best at going back and watching an event that I missed or an event sure. that I've already seen even. Going back and re watching it. I have a hard time paying attention to something. So I haven't been watching as much mm-hmm. volume of wrestling as I normally would. And part of that's just the the kind of overall malaise of the times and the the feeling of just like not being anything new it's hard to get into this it's not something that's coming new into the world or new that I'm you know excited about what's going to happen next it's already done so I haven't been watching as much back but I've been kind of trying to to I'm not going to say force myself to but trying to make an effort to because it may not be new it may not be happening where there's something coming next it's still new to me it's still new to somebody who might not have seen it before uh, so I wanted to make a point over this past weekend to go back and watch another show and was very uh, rewarded in, uh, I may not have a top ten, but I have a show that I would like to point out. If you have an opportunity to watch, go do so. It Ooh, made, a show you know, recommendation. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, so um, I went back and I watched on the IWTV app uh, kind of their uh, Beyond's answer to WrestleMania, which they call American Rana, uh, American Rada 2019, which was back and I want to say July or August of last year. And um, kind of in the the genesis of aew right before the announcement of uh, Dynamite being live, uh, kind of in between a lot of the SummerSlam type stuff. And it was a really refreshing show. It was a great show to watch. Uh, I do want to run down the card really quickly, and some of it you may not recognize. A lot of it's uh, your typical indie undercard, but the last three matches of the show, if I were to go back and redo my top ten matches of last year, there's a couple contenders in that, this one show. Ooh. Definitely. Um you started off with Alex Reynolds and John Silver. I know I'm a big John Silver fan, so... Hey, but those guys yeah. are both a part of the Dark Order now, exactly. right? Exactly. And you really, Alex Reynolds is not somebody that I've really seen a whole lot of on his own. And I've not been the hugest fan of, but that was a hell of a match. Um, Bear Country, uh, which I've mentioned from beyond before, uh, versus EYFBO, which is now known as Proud and Powerful. Oh, So uh, the erstwhile Angel Ortiz and Mike Drastic, also known as Santana, coming back in for a match. Um, There was a couple, there's a ladder match with a title change in it. with A a lot of names you're probably not going to recognize. Solo Darling, Alex Zane, who is someone who is absolutely going to be on the, someone to watch list, someone in the very near future. Uh, Cheeseburger. Anthony Green, Johnny Cockstrong, who is a comedic wrestler that I know you had to have seen at least before. Uh, I do Ken, believe so, yes. Yes. Uh, Ken Doan, the former uh, Spirit Squad guy. And yeah. uh, Marco, Marco Stunt was involved in it. And Swaggle in nice. a ladder match. Um, John Morrison in a match with Josh Briggs. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express versus the Butcher and the Blade. Ooh. Orange Cassidy and uh RD Evans when Orange Cassidy still had the IWTV title uh fought RD Evans in a match that was supposed to be title versus career that they actually career twice. <laughs> Jesus. Um uh, or Death Kill, uh Nick Gage and uh Thomas Santel, who's another guy on that short list for someone to watch versus uh Tom Lawler and Brian Alvarez. <laughs> wow. But the three that I would definitely point out the most is uh, Chris Dickinson and Daisuke Sakamoto, uh, which is a New Japan dream match. Uh, I say that style-wise. It was a strong style. Uh, Daisuke Sakamoto does Big Japan. uh, All Japan uh, does DDT. He is a beefcake of a Japanese wrestler that is just brutally hard. And I've talked about Chris Dickinson in the past. Same guy, same way. They were chopping each other hard enough; you could see clouds of sweat coming off. Ooh, it was violent. Sweat Um, misting. You had uh, a steel cage match between Kimberly, former WWE, now on Impact, and uh, uh, Chris Statlander. And uh, Chris Stat got busted open within the first five minutes of the match and had the crimson mask rolling. Like she was busted open. Favorite alien
0: got busted open. Does she bleed green?
1: Uh, no, no, it was it was it was the red blood. She had to bleed her own blood. We'll just um, we'll
0: just go out on the limb and say that the alien blood turns red when it hits the air. Yeah, we'll say that air oxygenates it and turns it red.
1: I've seen some I've seen some Statlander matches. This was a shorter one, but it's probably the best of hers I've seen so far. Uh, and I wanted to shout out this the show to you in particular because the main event was a sixty minute Iron Man no holds barred match. Okay. Uh feud ender between Joey Janela and David Starr.
0: Oh my God.
1: And I'm going to tell I you this right now. My full pants. stop. Full stop. That is the best Iron Man match I've ever seen. Wow. Uh, that would have made the top 10. Um, it is. There's storytelling. There are insane spots. Uh, dialogue in it. This was uh, Janela's. One of his last matches before going to AEW full-time. Um, Incredible. The two of them have had uh, a long-running feud, uh, different kinds of matches over the last year or two years, and absolutely have great chemistry. And for someone who is as great a Matt wrestler, excuse me, great a Matt wrestler and great a chain wrestler as David Starr is versus a walking spot machine that Janela is, the two of them mesh so well god damn well it is awesome it's a stylistic mashup of the dream ages yes and they just go full bore on each other blood guts i think uh i'm pretty sure janela put out a cigarette on a star's head at one point um it is gnarly and fun and yeah hell they they tear down part of the cage that the that statlanders match used and use that wow it was a hell of a match so if you have the IWTV app, or even if you can find you might be able to find it online somewhere. I don't know if they've uploaded it to YouTube, it wouldn't surprise me if they have. Look Sometimes they do the that, match.
0: especially after the time yeah. has passed long enough, you know. Yeah.
1: It is an Iron Man match, so make sure you get your popcorn ready and get your uh, get your comfy seat. It's an hour long. But uh Yeah. It is well worth the time. And shout out to Janela because he doesn't get enough credit for as decent a wrestler as he is, honestly. Um, I know I call him a spot monkey and he is, but the dude tells a good story when he needs to, and I think you can look back at the two Omega matches he had, uh, this past year as a good example of that as well.
0: Totally, man.
1: Um, hold on. Yeah.
0: Okay. So while we were in the middle of that, we had a special guest visitor while you were talking and the crowd's going to probably be like, what the fuck is the crickety slice type noise that they're hearing? (laughs) That's Mister Biscuit, our new cat, and he was purring, but he purrs in such a manner that kind of sounds like cricket tweets. It's really weird. <laughs> so you're gonna hear that in the background very subtly. I might not turn it up. I might, I might turn it up. I don't know. It was really interesting to hear, but I need to, I need to get this David Starr Janela match in my eye holes immediately.
1: It's, again, man, one of the, it's not the Bret Hart, you know, uh, Iron Man clinic. God damn, it's a fun match to watch. Doesn't feel like an hour at all. Ooh,
0: that's that's the best kind of Iron Man match yes. when they just blow through and you're like, oh, it's done Very already. Much no. So.
1: Very much so. Because um,
0: you know, if it feels like it's an hour, you're gonna hate it. Yeah. You want it to feel like it was twenty minutes and you're like, no, it just got started. Why are they why are we done? Mm-hmm. Why are we here? You know?
1: And really the uh, whole show the whole show's worth a watch. It was a blast to sit there and power through it, man. I enjoyed the hell out of it um makes me itch for some indie wrestling coming up forward and i'm hoping kind of keeping my 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 little heart hoping that uh with some of these states opening up we might start seeing some of these indie shows running uh you know crowdless matches and things like that soon i'm hoping so just for their some, sake yeah something, get...
0: something fun that they can find a way to get like some donated revenue or something yep, you know get
1: some lifeblood flowing back into it
0: I will say if you are an unemployed person going through this coronavirus thing and you have been, like, a member of society, I guess is the way to say that, uh, they'll take care of you. They're doing crazy stuff with, like, the unemployment. They're mm-hmm. giving back to people $750 a week and things like that. I'm, like,
1: I'm going to say people... right now that, that if you – and I'm in a unique position where I can actually say this, but – if you are living in the continental U.S. and listening to this show, if you need help, if you are struggling and you need help, you need food, you're short on money, look up your nearest food bank. Feeding America, the parent company for the food bank that i work worked for, Feeding America has 200 food banks across the country, most of them taking up significant chunks of the state. And they are getting donations from all over the country. People are helping out quite a bit. I've heard... I've seen commercials. I've seen local radio shows promoting everything. Feeding America is taking a big step. And these food banks are there to help people in this specific type of time. So I get calls myself. I get phone calls. I get emails from people who are – my food bank only serves 16 counties in this part of Indiana. I get calls from people in other states wanting to know when we're going to be there. And I get the opportunity to go say, hey, look, you have a food bank that is a county away from you or 20 minutes away from you. Get and in contact like, with them; what? they'll help you out. There are resources there to help you. You may not know where to look for them. Feeding America. Go to that site. Look up your local food bank. There is someone there to help you.
0: Well, dude, that's I think that's an awesome like thing to let people in on. That's a part of your personal life. Uh, obviously, it helps people quite a bit, and you know it does add it. It does add a little bit of positivity in these dark times to hear that people are. Right, helping well, like,
1: each other again, sort of. the The thing, the thing that I kind of had my eyes open to is, people right now, the people that are coming to the food banks, they've always had a bit of a bad rap because you see people that, oh, I've dealt with for years. Well, don't go to the, people that go to the food bank? They're just there looking for a free handout, or they're just looking for this. They're just the welfare fairies. They're just you know there for their, they're not having to go to work, whatever. Right now, you have a group of people that are going to these food banks for the first time, probably the only time they'll ever will. They may not need help, you know, two months from now, but they need help now, and they don't know what to do. They're confused. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to look because they've never had to before, and they may never have to again. But there's a lot of people who don't know where to look because they've never needed to. So showing them how to look for something and showing them where to get help is the most important thing you can do.
0: Man, that's awesome. Uh, so I'll steer it back into wrestling. Sorry. I, I, no, it's a a good PSA to have. We need, we need to share that with people. That's very important, and I'm, and I'm glad you did that. Um, but Um, to just reroute really quickly something that I didn't plan to talk about, but I just remembered, I was like, oh shit, I wanted to bring this up on the show. While I haven't been watching a ton of the current product of either AEW or WWE, and that's just mostly happenstance and the lack of time I've had most Wednesday nights, um, I have been watching the F salad, if we can use that word, on a dark side of the ring.
1: It's, uh, I've only seen a couple episodes or bits and pieces. I watched the Benoit one, and I've seen highlights of some of the others, but that's a, that's a, they're doing God's work showing some of this shit, I gotta tell you. Okay, so I have watched all but three of them, I think. Okay. Officially.
0: Uh, some recommendations that I think are really important to, like, I didn't know the story necessarily, or the backstory, or the history, I think that's what's really important, Mm -hmm. is that there are moments that stand out in all of our timelines, like, everybody knows the slap. If I talk about David Schultz's slap, in 30 seconds, you have the image in your head of this dude smacking the fuck out of a reporter calling wrestling fake. Right. It's been around for eons, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. The behind-the-scenes story of that is so much more interesting because what you didn't know is David Schultz was at one time best friends with a man named Terry Balea. Yeah. And that they were on their way up together. And that everything David Schultz did that he was chastised for ultimately lost his job over and blacklisted from the industry for was an angle they used for Hulk Hogan the very
1: next year Mm-hmm. that got him super
0: over. It's, so. It...
1: It's amazing to me how timely some of the stuff has become. Um, You know, they ran the episode about Brawl for All, and then there was talk not very long afterwards that Vince had kind of floated the idea of wanting to do something similar again. Jesus. Uh, When I think there was a... I think it was the first... Was it the first or second season that had the uh, Jimmy Snuka? Uh, Uh, That is season two, and it is one of the few I haven't watched. well... Guess whose daughter just got a title shot this past weekend? Ooh, really, Tamina? Yeah, she had a title shot at Money in the Bank. Oh yeah, uh, of course she did. Duh. I'm yeah, stupid. and there's there's uh, something that came up recently. There, I think somebody had floated a piece of uh, Snooka's ghost written autobiography where they're claiming that Vince uh, paid off somebody or something along those lines. Like, there's more to it apparently than well, we know there's more to it than we know, but. There's details that might be coming out in the near future, possibly, I think. it's uh, Interesting. The shit that you hear, you get to see some of that's actually fairly timely. Although, one that I hope is not timely is that I hope we never hear, see, hear anything from New Jack ever again. Fuck that guy. You know what? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was maybe my favorite episode, bro. It's an interesting episode, but it's that it doesn't make me hate that dude any less. <laughs> Fuck that dude. So you, so you watched the episode. I No, I have not watched. gone back and watched the actual episode just because I want nothing to do with New Jack. I've seen enough of his shit in the past and, and interviews with him to not want anything to do with him.
0: I don't know, man. Like, okay, so just to play devil's advocate and talk about it a little bit, because this one was kind of one of the ones I was most excited to dish on. Like, yeah, New Jack has a fucked up story and a fucked up history. But if you watch his come up and the whole story they show, that dude was authentic. He was who he said he was. And you know what? The three things that are, quote-unquote, his big crimes in wrestling. Okay, so first of all, mass transit. Let's right. talk about that. That's the ECW situation. Right. He stabbed this 17-year-old kid, essentially, with an X-Acto knife or bladed yeah. him across the face. That kid's dad let that guy into wrestling. No, he no said no. it was okay. Yeah. He was in the crowd yelling, stop, but he said okay. And, you know... he they even talk about the dude and the, the one of the midget wrestlers who and uh, sorry to use that term but that's what mm-hmm. that's what he is it's what he even said he was uh who was a part of the like thing that broke mass transit to even be seen by Paul Lee right this this one midget wrestler you know he said he's like Eric which is the uh, mass transit's real name knew everything he was doing and he knew what he was getting into oh yeah and you know it wasn't it wasn't some big like oh new jack hurt this kid and it's this big right. travesty no he knew he was getting into a violent wrestling match and told New Jack, "Fuck me up, however, I want to do this one spot." And New Jack kind of took it personal, right? Um, so that okay, okay, that that one's reasonable. The second thing, I didn't know that New Jack almost died. Do you know about this?
1: Oh yeah, busted, cracked his skull open. Yeah,
0: cracked his skull open oh, yeah. from a twenty-four foot drop many times. Uh, and I can't remember what the guy's fucking name is right off the
1: top of my head that he was wrestling. I I know you're talking about the big, big bald white dude that he threw off the balcony. Yeah. Uh, Or the, the, uh, uh, scaffold match. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and he tried to kill him and didn't work. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's one thing. And then you do the third thing and it's like, okay, this is just him being his authentic self and he doesn't know any bounds. Like, okay, example. And I want this, why I want to bring it up. If Walk Among Us played to five people, do you think I would want it to seem like I know we're playing to five people? No. No, because that hurts. That hurts your no, own pride. I, no, I got that. Okay. So the third thing, and this is the one that kind of got me laughing because I'm just like, man, I under like, I, I don't think what New Jack did was right. I don't want you guys to think that I'm condoning him as what he did was right. I, that's not what I'm saying. However... In his perspective, in his era of where he was in his life, this is like 2004. ECW's gone. He's doing little tiny indie house shows. His confidence is obviously shaken. He tries to work with this dude, and the dude says, "Okay, whatever," and doesn't listen to New Jack. Like map out how they should do the match. Like it's right. an art form for him, you know. And the dude just walked off on New Jack, and he took it personal. And then the dude started like trying to actually hurt New Jack in the ring. Right. Like, like it wasn't fun in games like, oh, we're doing bumps for each other and doing these crazy spots. He started, he initiated violence towards New Jack and New Jack's from the hood. Of course he's going to defend himself. Right. Like, are you crazy? Like,
1: uh, just just to clear up my side of it, like my issue with him isn't like, I think he's some crazy violent motherfucker or whatever or buys too much into his character, whatever the case is. Using the mass transit specifically... Um, my issue with him wasn't that he, the, the kid knew exactly what was doing. The, the, the penalty should be on the kid and his dad. Absolutely. My problem with new Jack was, uh, the interview they did with him afterwards. And he said, I fucking hope he died. Like he goes on the record saying that, Yeah. I wish that kid would have died.
0: Oh, the, the, the white kid.
1: Yeah. Mass transit. Yeah. New okay, Jack said, so- no, I wish he would have died. Probably him in anger, and I get that. Uh, not really. I, don't I wouldn't say it called an anger so much as calling it being just a psychotic motherfucker. Like, but. dude's got screws loose. Oh,
0: yeah, totally, totally. And, and I think that's why these documentaries are so interesting, because it's about people enter situations where they are off-kilter, like to get some different behind-the-scenes right. background or walk through the Montreal job, even though it's something I know very well and and obviously wrestling with shadows covers it kind of very well it covers things even deeper it interviews Earl Hebner who was mm-hmm. there like they really get some real you know and then of course you have conspiracy theorist Scott Hall and he said something and when he said it as soon as he said it my ears perked up i was like oh man canyon was right this whole time yeah the whole thing was a work even even because here here's what Scott Hall said if you haven't seen it they're They're showing the Montreal screw job, and they're showing the spot where um Vince gets spit on, and he says, nah, do you think monkeys are in the back that are being told what to do, who just do what they're told, or do you think there's somebody back there who was like, "Oh my God, I bet that Bret Hart's gonna spit on Vince right now."
1: <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." Oh, that's I mean, kind there's, of there's there's some validity to it. There's a reason to wear the
0: tinfoil hats and all this. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that's an interesting one. Maybe someday we can deep dive. Me and you, the Montreal job and as a whole. But honestly, to, to 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 sum it up, the last one I really want to give a little brief dissertation on, mm-hmm. um, was bru- the killing of Bruiser Brody. Right. Because if you don't know that story, that story's fucked up.
1: Yeah, especially considering that parties involved in it are in the WWE Hall of Fame. Correct. Parties involved
0: are in the WWE Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he died in Tony Atlas's arms, essentially. You know, I mean, even though he lived a little bit longer, it was doomed from the start, you know. And the whole story, like, I didn't know it. I didn't know this story. I was, as a wrestling fan, 100% oblivious, okay? And, dude... I watched it, it was like 2 in the morning, I had done some dishes, Like I was just up late, mm-hmm. my gears were turning, and I was just like, this is one of the craziest wrestling stories that I've never heard of, and I don't know how I haven't heard of it.
1: Yeah, I, it makes me think, I need to see if I can track down, there's a website, I used to have a link to it, and I gotta see if I can still track it down, that uh, compiles just a list of all the urban legends, and rumored stories, and you know, crazy if true of wrestling, ooh, we should do a segment called "Crazy if True." Oh, I want to see if I can find that. I'll send it to you. Shit, a, lot, yeah. a lot of it's probably bullshit, and a lot of it I don't even know if we want to talk about on the air.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Because uh, I'm sure there's some. Some just, of it like, gets weird. pretty
1: raunchy. Oh, but yeah. yeah, there's some interesting shit in there. The fucked up things too, like uh, a lot of shit. Like the I know you've watched the behind or uh, the uh, the. Documentary about the Von Erics and that kind of shit. Like, there's yeah, shit last with them. Yeah, the Von Erics was a great yeah.
0: episode as well. Um, uh, the one that got me, dude, also was the fucking Moolah episode. She was awful.
1: Yes. Oh, God. Absolutely. And Vince this
0: really, 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 really did Wendy Richter, like, the yeah.
1: dirtiest. It's uh, one of the biggest, uh, I want to say, victories in wrestling in the last four or five years was... Um, getting her name taken off of the women's battle royal on WrestleMania when yeah. they wanted to name it after her, and enough fans said "fuck that," no, and got a hold of Snickers and wouldn't let them do it because Snickers yep. was sponsoring the show. Yeah, that's a victory. Fuck me Uh, fuck Mula. Yeah. Terrible person.
0: And then okay, so then on a flip, I don't know where I saw this. It was the other day I saw it. I don't. I don't know if you posted it or sent it to me or tagged me or somebody tagged me it was a Bob Holly story do you know what I'm talking about
1: oh uh, no I think I've heard I've heard a few of him but I don't know I don't think I would have tagged you on
0: one of them so Bob Holly is talking about his time working with may young in the 90s mm-hmm. and he said that he and her were talking about what they were doing and he's like I do this clothesline but may I, I respect you too damn much to clothesline you and she's like why do it and he was like, oh, okay, well, I don't, he's like, okay, he's like, I don't think you understand that when I'm on TV, I can't just, I'm going to try to rip your head off. And she's like, do it. And he kept mm-hmm. like kowtowing around about how he didn't want to do it. Right. So they're in gorilla and she goes, are you going to do the spot? And he goes, thank you. This is going to be great. I'm I'm sorry. You know what she responded with? Bring Almost. it, motherfucker. <laughs> Come on, she's taking crazy bumps. She knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah. If she didn't think she could Mae take Young it, was she a wouldn't. Badass. Oh, totally, man. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, those those were some of the ones I've watched. I do urge other people to watch them. The Benoit one's tough. If you're a human person with any kind yeah, of emotion that, in your soul, it's
1: hard. That's a rough watch. I There's some shit. Uh, hearing uh, Chavo. Oh uh, dude. Yeah, that was that was the hardest, honestly. <sighs> mm, brutal. Yeah. Um honestly and I'm I I'm going to credit my my ADD ADHD riddled brain with this that uh mm-hmm. you mentioned the Montreal Screwdrop, and it made me think of a comment I've left on uh Cage side regarding the uh, money in the bank match. Okay. <laughs> uh to uh kind of parody Vincent Kennedy McMahon a little bit. Baron Corvin didn't murder Aleister Black. Aleister Black murdered Aleister Black.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, is it time to just jump into Money I, in the I Bank? want
1: to. I do. I do want to. And the sad thing is that the Money in the Bank pay-per-view was very, very notable um, for a lot of different reasons. One, i got to throw some credit out. Thank you to Vince McMahon for finally listening to a little bit of reason and making a two-and-a-half-hour pay-per-view. Thank you for that. That was wonderful.
0: Yeah, you know what's crazy? So. I don't watch a lot of wrestling when the girls are here mm-hmm. doing stuff because I don't want to, like, bog them down. So if I have time late at night or whatever, right. I usually get my wrestling in. Or, like, if they're going to go do a project in the back and I have a couple hours to kill, I'll watch them wrestling. Right. So V's like, hey, I'm going to go shower. This was on Sunday. And it was, like, 11.45. And I'm like, okay. And as soon as she left, I immediately put on the Money in the Bank matches. Mm-hmm. And they were done before she got out of the shower. Right. She don't take that crazy long of a shower, but it was just like, man, look at this short, nice, concise. It was it was view. really
1: refreshing, honestly. I mean, it was like. a smaller card, but still, they get a lot done in that time frame. Um, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through every match because I hate to say it, but a lot of it was kind of skippable. Like, can the, I ask you a question? Sure.
0: Did all the other matches of the night take place on the roof?
1: No, that was the one one. Uh, everything else at the performance center. Dumb.
0: I mean, yeah. Dumb in the end. Dumb.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, it would have been nice to have the whole thing up building.
0: there. You set up the ring. You had your guys set up the ring for like right. eight and a half minutes of action.
1: I think it may have been that they just couldn't get enough camera angles, probably. Because if you notice during that match when they have uh, cameras on the ring on the roof, there's like one or two shots of the entire thing.
0: Yeah, that's true. So that, that is that true. that could
1: be it. I'm not going to say that Kevin Dunn, by any stretch, is a great cinematographer, but uh, I think they probably just wanted a few more angles. Would be my guess.
0: My buddy Chris posted a picture of his signed Rey Mysterio and signed Alistair Black doll, like action figures, and it said <laughs> "RIP, guys."
1: Did uh, did you happen to see Alistair's tweet after the, or the next day? No, I don't think I did. <laughs> Black just tweeted a picture of a of a uh, bedsheet ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. There was no caption, nothing.
0: Oh, that's funny. I mean, look, look come on. Uh, like, you're not stupid. You didn't murder him. And the one thing that got me about that, like initially I was like, oh, my God, they quote unquote threw him off the building and for effect. And look, it does kind of look viable until they did the pan out shot. and yeah, You can see you can the see... lower level. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you gave yourself away.
1: Well, they did. it. They even showed that establishing shot before they even started the match. Like, and they mentioned it on Raw the next night is oh they landed on the secondary roof. Man, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Um, yeah, of course
0: they landed on the secondary roof, but still how scary to have to fucking take yeah. bumps that high yeah, holy no kidding.
1: shit. Um so just to run down the rest of the car really quickly, I'm not again I'm not gonna go through match by match, but uh the only one of note really I would say was um Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre had a very good match. Um in which Seth dominated a lot more than I thought he would, uh, and then still ended up losing fairly, I mean, just about clean as a sheet. And uh, Drew had him shake his hand afterwards, which was interesting. So, I mean, all things considered, it probably would have been a a, eh, pay-per-view if not for the actual craziness that was Money in the Bank. But... It, I, I sent a text to you the next day that that really straddled the line. The Money in the Bank match straddles the line between Brilliance and madness very, very well. Better than WWE, I thought, really was capable of. Have you ever seen Man on Wire? Uh, that's the tightrope movie, isn't it?
0: Yeah, the the dude that he actually, yeah. uh, Philippe Petit, he he tightrope yeah. Tight rope walked across the uh, Twin Towers.
1: I have, yeah. Or at least I've seen okay. the I've seen I remember seeing trailers for it, I should say.
0: And then yeah, there was so there was like an actual documentary called Man on mm-hmm. Wire. That's like the real one. And then The Wire was the movie version uh, that yeah, had yeah. uh I can't remember who played him. Uh it was Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yes too. But yes, when you said that I was looking forward to actually watching the match. And there were things I noticed I loved and things that I thought were interesting. And, and one thing I'm, I'm just going to say is, if anything has been given to us during this terrible, weird coronavirus time, it's that, for whatever reason, this moment is Vince's decision to start letting the comedy gloves fly a little bit more. Right. And I don't know how or why, but it is working yeah, so it, well for them.
1: It. This match, it, it was... You and I talked about it on the last episode when we kind of ran the preface for it. Uh, You and I mentioned the Belko experiment uh, idea behind it, where it was just going to be a madhouse. Well, they played up the absurdity a little bit, too. And they played up the same kind of nostalgia effect that they had in the Firefly Funhouse match with the fist from SmackDown. Like, you had cameos from guys like Laurinaitis and got Brother Love and all this, like, and obviously, those are folks that are you know part of the show now, anyway, like they're behind the scenes, so they just happen to be on hand but they they play a food fight into it you know they 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 managed to have a j trapped underneath a, a a dumbbell set that was clearly like four inches off his chest yeah, you know and you still had kind
0: of made it look partially believable as his back was half off
1: the ground right. They have I'm like dog uh,
0: just wiggle under, bro.
1: They have a random room in the uh, in the building that apparently has the Undertaker's casket and a bunch of smoke machines in it. <laughs> you have that was a- awesome. I love AJ having the PTSD flashback. I thought that was cool as shit. That was a great idea. to Have him getting freaked out by the poster. That and it actually showed yeah. the black and white version of the Boneyard match, yeah, like parts that, of it. That was, was super clever because.
0: It's continuity, man. That's yeah. one thing I think WWE in the yeah. past 25 years has severely lacked. You uh, had, believing in continuity. Vince has yeah. had this motto. Oh, every four years the fans forget, damn it. No, we don't.
1: You have, uh, you have a little bit of uh, of the downside when a couple seconds later you have the idiot moment of Dana Brooke pulling down a fake or a, a Money in the Brain briefcase when she should know what the rules of the fucking match are hilarious i laughed so and fucking this hard. that terribly shot cameo from stephanie where she's clearly not in the room clearly shot someplace else but not really showing why they're having this like random did she just deus ex into the room or something like it's weird maybe then, uh dana was hallucinating uh, yeah it i mean I'd, I'd like to think that i was hallucinating just having dana in the match for one thing but isn't she the real me. mvp though for that bump she took the one where she slipped and fell dude yeah, she did crack her head pretty good. I mean, bro. Brain damage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh you had a little bit uh you have the uh the food fight, which is funny in its own right. For what what possible reason is Paul Heyman sitting down to a Thanksgiving spread by himself for one reason? You he have, met
0: up with R V D to talk about old times
1: and yeah. got too high. You have the food fight, which of course Otis started by just freaking out wonderfully. Um, you had a little bit of intergender with Shayna Baszler choking out Ray.
0: Yeah, the, the, that was kind that's of a rarity
1: in in WWE. Uh, and then later, you have a little bit of Oscar uh, and Baron Corbin getting into it. I love that. Which for that some, on some reason ladders, Baron yeah. Corbin is trying to prevent Oscar from getting the women's title or women's briefcase for what reason we don't know. Because he's just an asshole. That's why. And then. You have you have Baron Corbin blatantly murdering two people or attempting to murder two people. He tried. Uh, you know, I really wish they would have stopped the match for just a split second. There was other people up there. Yeah. You know, other people in the ring when it happened. I wanted to just stop and go, what the hell, man? Seriously? Call, like, what? <laughs> you know, but, I'm just
0: going to say this. I'm glad that they probably practiced their spots a little bit for that kind of a match when you're up that high. Right. Because you have to have kind of like some like, well, I'm going to be up high doing this move. I want to know how it feels to be this high on the ladder and if I'm going to have fucking vertigo. Right. But like, good thing they practiced that
1: throwing him to the second roof spot because if he would have thrown him off the wrong ledge. Well, if you look at it, they have that establishing shot. They show where that crash pad is. Yeah. And it's, it's right next to the ring, yeah. But it's also right next to the fucking ledge. The real yeah. ledge. So if you get a little too much speed, if you don't stop yourself, even when you hit that crash pad, you better be careful. Oh. Um, <laughs> and you have the, the fucked up weird ending of uh, AJ fumbling the briefcase into Otis's hands. And having a victory of that, even though AJ was the one that took the briefcase down in the first place. And then the head scratcher of all is Otis. Really?
0: Yeah. I guess he's the guy they're going to put over, but I mean, yeah. he's over. Yeah. He's over
1: like hell, but it's just the whole thing was, uh, a head scratcher and, and funny and wild and, uh, nostalgic and over the top and, and bizarre. There were some big bumps in it. Uh, in in the over the topness of it, really can't be understated. In that it's not, I, I expected to be WWE jumping the shark. I really did. It ended up with them just instead they didn't jump. They ladder bumped the shark. Ooh, I like it, ladder bumping the shark. And it's it's one of those like I can see myself going back and watching it. I laughed and yelled what the fuck at my TV probably five times throughout that match. Like just and and not in the normal, what the fuck? Why are they doing this? But what the fuck is going on? Like <laughs> whoa! I I was I laughed my ass off at Otis winning just because I didn't like. Okay, we've we've crossed beyond the pale here. We don't know what the fuck is going on.
0: Honestly, I think it's kind of clever though.
1: It is because I, I yeah.
0: If Drew and or Bear, uh, Braun at any time are not champion or let's say they get injured or anything, right? Otis is a pick-me-up champ. Even if he's only six weeks the champ or three weeks the right. champ. He's a gender Mahal champ or whatever. You know, whatever you want to call it. But, like, doesn't matter. He deserves that spot because he's obviously shined out of heavy machinery and became his own star.
1: It's... See, to me, I, I being the pragmatic, you know, thinking about booking and all this shit, I, I'm i so used to thinking that way that my first thought was, why are they doing this? And, yeah, he's over, but he's a comedy guy. Like, he can go, yeah. Santino could go, but he was still a comedy guy. And this is akin to putting putting the rocket and the strap on Scotty Too Hotty to me. And... That doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense, but I think that WWE kind of bit themselves on the ass a little bit. I mean, it's something they've done every year, but there the pay per view schedule that they have, there's no need to have a pay per view based around Money in the Bank. There's no need to have a pay per view based around feud-ending matches like a Hell in the Cell, because it writes you into a corner. You you have Hell in a Cell coming up. Guess you got to book a Hell in the Cell match now. You have Money in the Bank. Now you got to write. You better have somebody plan to have money in the bank now because you gotta have that show. If they didn't, I think they only had the money in the bank match because they had to have the money in the bank match. I think they only had Otis win because they have to have somebody win. Yeah, and, and
0: you know that I'm pretty sure, if memory serves me correct, the money in the bank is actually Jericho's idea. I that I couldn't tell you. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I feel like he said that a long time ago in an interview, right. that he was talking to Vince, and it was one of the things they came up with, and I think then you're of right. course it's taken off. But like they have done interesting things with money in the bank. They have, this year is an yeah. exception to the rule, and I'm not saying it wasn't interesting. What I'm saying is this year you have an exception to the rule by way of the times we live in. So I think mm-hmm. they took chances this year.
1: Yeah, they did, and credit I, to them I, for doing so.
0: I loved Oscar starting on the upper level and jumping down. Mm-hmm. I loved the camera shots of them in the elevators and yep. her and dancing in the uh, elevator
1: was a great moment.
0: Everybody coalescing when the elevators popped yeah. off, you know, uh, and like a bunch I, of different, you know. Honestly, uh, there was one tiny little thing that I wanted to bring up about the memorabilia and stuff. Sure, was this shot before the blackout Roman Reigns rule or after? Uh, don't know. Because if that uh, rule is yeah. accurate, he was actually shown on camera, and it was his biggest moment in wrestling. Yeah.
1: Yes. In and a I, very, I, very
0: large mural that hangs in WWE's office.
1: You know, a quick aside about the blackout Roman Reigns thing, and just my two cents on it, I think it's being overblown just a little bit. I'm not one to defend WWE on anything, but I think it's not so much of we don't want anybody thinking about Roman Reigns at all, so much as he's not here, so let's not focus on him. Yeah, because they're still not, showing. They're if still. If
0: you take time out right now to be
1: like oh, Roman Reigns, right. this it like may, it kind of can roll the say, show back. I will say that editing him out of Cess cash-in is a bridge a little too far. Yes, that's a little much. But they are still showing him with the Make a Wish kids. They are still showing him as part of a major part of the Undertaker documentary. Um, Interesting. They're not is that on WWE Network. What's that? Is the doc
0: the the Taker doc? Is that on WWE Network?
1: It is on the network. I uh, just started this past weekend. I have not gotten a chance to watch it yet. I plan on it, but I haven't had the opportunity to start yet. Apparently, Sweet. it's very good. Cool. Um, and it's a little odd seeing a humanized Undertaker, which is very strange. But, um, they actually use, from what I understand, they use that match with Reigns where he was supposed to have retired uh, as kind of the backdrop for the documentary itself. So he's oh, he plays a central role in it. So, yeah, cuz I'm
0: pretty sure that at 32 when he faced Reigns, right? That was at 32? I believe so, yeah. Uh that was pretty much Taker at like 45%. He did not look great.
1: No, he from what I've uh, what little I've seen of it or read about it, he went on the record saying how much he hated that match, like going back and watching it again.
0: But he also what, hates that Goldberg match. That's, yeah, that
1: yeah, was my next reaction I was like, "Man, I hope they don't show him that one then." <laughs> <laughs> but uh um, yeah, like you don't want to watch uh, that one buddy. My point being that that Reigns isn't completely persona non grata. They're just not talking about him. And so I yeah. think the whole idea of him being blacklisted or blackballed from whatever and there actually was another statement from Reigns recently about that. I don't know if you happen to see that. I didn't see that statement. Um, uh he was being interviewed uh, about I I can't remember who was it, it was actually interviewed, might have been ESPN uh interviewing about you know why he's not there? And was it about it being immunocompromised? And he said, "Yeah, it, it kind of is, but not. It's not the biggest thing." He's like, "I kind of keep personal and, and business separate, but I just had kids, man. I've got my wife just had twins, like newborns. Oh, I'm not bringing that around them. I'm not going to put myself in a place where I'm a risk to them.
0: Yeah, because they're so infants. No. They can catch it. In yeah, the worst case scenario. Yeah.
1: So no, that's uh, that's his biggest reason was he didn't want to bring that home." I mean, um, I, think,
0: I have mad respect to that and nothing but love to Roman no, Reigns. I've uh, never really, I've never had a problem with him as a wrestler. I've always had a problem with him as booked.
1: His character's but. his character's not great and they booked him to shit, but the guy behind the mask, you know, Joe Annoy or however you pronounce his last name, Anoy. Yeah,
0: you nailed it. Joe Annoy, perfect. He
1: is, he is a fantastic human being.
0: Totally, man.
1: Uh, and also, fun bit of trivia, dude has two sets of twins.
0: That's crazy. There's
1: there is some genetic uh, genetic jackhammering going on there. Got some special
0: baby batter going <laughs> yeah. on. If he can always produce twins. Yeah.
1: Um, and speaking of that, that ironically, weirdly moves us into the next big bit of news. <laughs> Bring it on, uh, Bill. Yeah, from Monday, this past Monday, and
0: Sammy Zayn's
1: pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! You spoiled it. Now, I I will say this: I actually walked into this. It caught me off guard because I did not know what was going on. Um, okay,
0: so set up what happened because I didn't see RAW, so I don't know any so of the fallout from Money in the Bank.
1: I'll run you through my experience of it. Normally, when something happens, dirt sheets jump on it. You know, at least there's an idea of it. Um, I'm a big fan of Cageside Seats, as I've said before, and even they ran some spoilerish stuff on there. Wrestling Observer had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen, but me being at work. I didn't see any of that shit. I had no chance to on Monday. I went into raw blind, which I don't normally do. So leading up to money in the bank, Becky Lynch didn't have a match, which is a little unusual. And she mentioned that she was going to confront the winner of the money and women's money in the bank on the raw following money in the bank, which for a lot of people just kind of pissed them off because excuse me, because it, foreshadowed that a raw woman was going to win the briefcase and more than likely. But the idea was that she was going to have this announcement or she was going to have this confrontation with that person on raw. And then Monday morning, uh, they announced there was something that she had a major announcement for raw and that was it. That was all that I'd seen. So Raw kicks off her music hits and she comes out with the briefcase which is unusual. And Wait, she, you know, she
0: came out with, yeah. she had the brief, briefcase.
1: She had the briefcase. Yeah. Okay. And starts by talking about, you know, how she came into NXT and didn't know anybody and didn't have any friends, didn't have anybody to really go to, but it was the fans that support her and showed her a way through and her fans that meant the world to her. And, uh, you know, how much she'd love them for what it was. And so she thought that the fans needed to hear this from her. And she started kind of tearing up a little bit. I'm going either she's hurt or this is acting. And there's a rumor going around that she might be getting a Marvel movie offered to her at some point in the near future. So maybe she's just getting written off. She's acting something out. Well, I don't know what's going on here, but, or maybe it's this, uh, the troll Becky Lynch, you know, faking some crocodile tears over something. But she's going to get into full right. blown man mode right. and freak out. Right. So, as she's doing this and she's legitimately tearing up, Asuka comes out and goes into her crazy screaming Japanese thing, which I love dearly. And Becky kind of calms her down or quiets her down. And she says, I want you to see, I want, I'm glad that you're here. I want you to see this too. You need to hear this from me. Uh, I made a couple of arrangements about money in the bank last night and didn't tell anybody. I arranged this with WWE headquarters and they didn't tell anybody. Um, and she says, the reason you haven't been able to open this briefcase, Oscar, is there's a combination lock on it. I know the combination. She opens it up and it's the belt. She goes. You didn't know it, but that match was for the title.
0: Oh shit!
1: And you're the champion, and Oscar's freaking out. I am the champion. I am the champion. And I'm going. This is this is some weird shit. Is she hurt? She's got to be hurt. If she's tearing up, is this a retirement? Is this did she edge herself somehow? What happened? And she goes to uh, to Oscar and says, "You know, I'm really glad that you won. You'll represent the brand well." You go be a woman, or you you go be a warrior, because I'm going to go be a mother. And Asuka, apparently Asuka hadn't been told this either. This was all completely off the cuff for her as well. Just stares at Becky for a second. She's like, you what? You what? You what? And just like, Asuka freaks the fuck out. Back here at home, I'm freaking the fuck out, because it's an amazing line, for one amazing moment and Becky's like beaming it's like holy shit it's true whoa mm-hmm. and like she's crying and Oscar's crying and cheering and yelling for Becky and it it is the fucking weirdest thing it's it's the it's almost the edge retirement or Daniel Bryan retirement in reverse where you know somebody's going to be leaving and you don't know when she's coming back if she's coming back but you're happy. You know, she's Man. she's leaving having been, you know, defended this title for a year now without losing the belt. She's the one to come out of a rousy without getting a win back. Uh, she's the one that main event. She is the one who is leaving at the top. And really... It may be the end of Becky as a main event or not as a main eventer, but as a full timer. Because A she's gonna be gone at least nine months. We know that. But B, then beyond that. There's maternity, there's family and all that beyond that. Well, you gotta think, who's the dad? Seth. Yeah. And oh, Seth's shit, not exactly staying Seth's not exactly staying at home. You know. The two of them can't both tour. <laughs> so you're probably looking at the end of Becky Lynch as a full timer and yeah. going out her way, and that's' it's something that you don't see ever oh
0: God, and then do you know what comes to this bro? what's that? She'll come out of her retirement
1: for two letters mm. r r oh yeah there there's still a rousing match to be had somewhere down the road she's yeah and this I think isn't going be for good. An amazing like. Ronda yeah, Rousey isn't... comes
0: back, everybody's fucking shocked at that and then like boom, Becky's music yeah. hits, dude, people would shit in their pants.
1: Uh, there's also the there's a very real life dig there too. It's like, "Hmm, guess uh Becky beat Ronda to that too, huh?" Ooh. <laughs> oh,
0: dang. Okay, so Not I'm going to ask mention, a that dirty kid's question cuz my brain To be goes completely crashed. Like...
1: That kid's going to backflip out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask a dirty question cuz my brain sure. goes there, but like Sure. Do you
1: think that Becky
0: said come in the man to Seth? Because if so, that's uh, pretty fucked up.
1: My favorite line regarding the entire thing, and, and all credit to this has to go to uh, WWE Creative Humor on Twitter, great follow, plug the shit out of them, follow them now, um, was that uh, Seth Rollins ended the man's career by via small package.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> A devastating
0: move in pro wrestling history. Yes,
1: yes. It was a hell of a night, hell of a show uh, just for that. And uh, the shit that kind of spun out of that uh, on Raw on Monday was a great show uh, because you also had the establishment of Baszler as the fucking just cold-hearted bitch. You should look up. I'm not going to go in and read her promos because I can't do her her voice justice. But she makes a, a few comments about motherhood. That are just a harsh as shit. I believe she commented about a parasite growing inside somebody. Whoa. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there, and oh well, you know the kid's gonna suck because look who the dad is. There's uh, there's some nastiness there, so they established Basil as this top heel very quickly, just on promo alone. I mean, can um, I just
0: say that sure. is this the first time in history we've had a ch- a child that is going to be spawned from a woman's world champ and a male world champ from the same company?
1: I believe so. This is the They're first like time the you've ever. This is, is the first time one, that bro. I can. It's the first time I can think of in any any major wrestling promotion, any wrestling promotion at all, where your main headliner is essentially retiring not due to injury but due to maternity. And that's not saying that it just never happened. It's because think of how rare it has been to see your main personality be a woman.
0: Yeah, man. And she took the world by storm. Yeah. Uh, in the year of Becky Lynch mania, mm-hmm. it was the most beautiful rise. And for this to be like, you can't write a fucking more perfect story than no. this, bro. If this is her sunset, if this
1: is it. Absolutely. Good for them, man. Um, There was the fun as well later on in the evening. I mentioned Seth losing to Drew uh, on Money in the Bank. Um, came out, he had a tag team match with uh, Murphy against Rey Mysterio and Alistair Black, who miraculously, you know, had that second ceiling or that second roof save them. Um, and had a great character match, great character moments. Um, the I've said before a couple times that Seth is... He's much better as a heel, but this Monday Night Messiah character that he's built is fucking wonderful. Um, the smarmy douchebag, he's always been good at playing, and now he's got the this religious aspect to it as well and has a reason to have followers. And they finally changed his music up uh, as of Money in the Bank to really, really cheesy fucking choir and everything. Um, Amazing. Well, then on Monday, after losing and kind of being guilted into shaking uh, Drew's hand, Seth was, well, for one, you could tell something was up because he didn't have the 8,000 pounds of baby oil in the hair. So it wasn't soaking wet and slicked back. He looked like a human hangover. (laughs) Like his hair was all, he looked like a caveman. Hair was all over the place and looked very out of it. And during the tag match for 98% of that match, he stood on the apron and didn't blink and didn't move like completely catatonic. Didn't even look at Murphy as Murphy's fighting a two on one match. And then um, Ray hits him and Seth goes nuts and pulls Ray off the apron, which for some reason gets disqualified from a match. He's in for reasons unknown to man um, and just, goes into this full-fledged, crazy-ass violent mode, tells Murphy to stay back, grabs Ray by the head, and pushes him eye first into the corner of the steps. Like, not just throws him, but slowly grinds his head, like screaming that, Ray, this isn't your fault, this isn't your fault the whole time. Whoa. Which, to me, having two different reactions to it, one being, oh, wow, that's brutal, cool. Two being, hmm, I guess Vince just realized that uh, Jericho and Moxley got an eye-based spot over. <laughs> uh-huh. Got to copy it takes, that. It takes Vince a while. Yeah, he's a little—he's about four or five months behind all the time. But uh, then later on in the show, they go back to the locker room and Ray's getting his eye worked on and, you know, still freaking out and blacks with him. And then here comes Rollins and Murphy, and all Rollins says was, I don't know what happened like in that deadpan kind of tone and then just kind of walks off black gets all pissed off and uh and beats up Murphy but yeah Rollins just kind of wanders off like it's this Hmm. weird dynamic of he is completely off the reservation now so he's doing this
0: thing where like he's almost Festus where he's just like Disenchanted, and not there until you smack he, he, him, and then all of a sudden he's there to fucking war. That
1: could be. It could be elements of that. There's some elements of early broken Matt Hardy in there. Ooh, like that he can't deal with the psychological trauma, so now he's just nuts. <laughs> it's like you, you could be looking at a more serious take on the delusional broken Matt character. Okay. Without the without the uh, absurdity. Um, which is sure, I'm game. Um, we don't know what uh, McIntyre's next challenger really is at this point. They are revamping and bringing back the essentially the wild card rule at uh, the behest of the networks. Um, so next week we're having a challenge from Baron Corbin to McIntyre, not for the title. But I uh, not really thrilled to see the wild card rule come back because it was a the drizzling shits last time. But I can kind of understand why their roster is completely in flux at the moment, so they're just kind of sharing and sharing alike. However, why Corbin? Because
0: <laughs> he's the most hated heel on all uh, of SmackDown.
1: Uh, he is the
0: most least likable guy. And has never true. been. There has never been a time in his fucking main roster career that I have ever said, damn, this that is Baron true Corrin been. He is just so over as a good guy. Because mm-hmm. he's not. He has perfected the art of being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. I do uh, want to also
1: say that uh, McIntyre is one hell of a babyface. The fact that there's no crowd for him to play off of is criminal. The dude's well, fun as shit. He's a great well, promo.
0: Hopefully, before this is all said and done, we get to see him in front I think of a so. crowd. I think they're going to. Wouldn't keep that be some crazy him. shit if he never held the title in front of a crowd? I think they're going to keep that with him.
1: I think he's. I don't think you're going to see him lose that belt anytime soon.
0: Okay, what if this goes on for two years?
1: Hey, work for Hogan, right? <laughs>
0: oh, fuck. I mean, I guess yeah. That's. I mean, that's a, that's a true point. Uh, I do want to ask really quick because I don't think sure. we touched on it. What happened in the Braun Bray match?
1: Um. A little bit of uh, of of brilliance in its own right. Um, uh, They did uh, Bray came out as not the fiend. He came out as Funhouse Bray. You know, cardigan wearing, dreadlocks pulled back, and everything. Hmm. And kind of got got gotten a little way. Um, Braun was doing his you know brawning, beating him up, and everything. They did they did work in. They actually had a little bit of an audience for the show because they had the puppets in the in the crowd.
0: Hilarious.
1: Yeah. Um the whole build was of Bray trying to get Braun to quote unquote come home. Uh there to go. to re embrace things. And what ended up happening was Braun so I can't remember how it ended up happening that Bray was in the ring, Braun's out of the ring, and Braun stands up from ringside, no shirt and wearing the black sheet mask just out of nowhere and hmm. Bray just rejoices. And I told you, I knew you'd come home. Thank I, I told you, Bron, this is the beauty. This is amazing. Bron hugs him and Bray is just rejoicing. And then Bron takes the mask off, stomps on it and power slam match. Yeah. So, okay. It's kind of brilliant in the sense that Bron out mind Bray, which doesn't happen.
0: Well, he also Bray did the kind
1: thing and
0: being um caring for someone the fiend
1: initially. It, what's up? Not coming out as the fiend initially is also a little bit of the kind thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say, is like him not being the fiend yeah. and like essentially like trying to play the whole like we're still on the same side. Right. Don't fight me. We're not enemies, we're pals, right. you know. And then now um, Braun outsmarts him.
1: Yeah, there's an excuse
0: for the fiend to let loose.
1: Yeah, that's really the idea is that Braun gets a successful title defense and it extends the feud, and now the fiend has a reason to come out and play. So I mean, it's it's really the right call. It's nice to see. Um, and uh, that was kind of the end of it for that. We haven't seen what's happening on SmackDown yet, so I'm sure they're going to have some more to the story here coming up soon. Um, but wasn't bad. It was it was a nice little uh, a nice breath of fresh air to see the booking go like it. Logically should have, I guess.
0: Wow, WWE being logical. Also, can we just quickly talk about the Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, uh, Vince McMahon spot for <laughs> Money in the Bank? Yeah. That's... Because everyone has always said Vince is a tight ass and you don't mess up his room. And, like, you know, don't leave it as mm-hmm. it was. You know, leave it as it was. Don't leave it, you know, as. Supposedly then putting
1: the chairs back was a legit thing. Like, he always makes people do that. Yes, absolutely. So it was kind of like,
0: oh, look, they poke fun at themselves a little bit.
1: I will say this. Vince looks rough. Rough, bro. He looks – he's finally starting to look his age. And I'm sure that right now that the pandemic aside, but business being what it is, is probably wearing on him. And it's not, you know, not for nothing. He's actually been in the White House recently. You know, he's on Trump's whatever – Restart the economy, special super friends team, or whatever hold, the hell it is. Hold
0: up while I puke.
1: Yeah, but I mean, taking political aspirations out of it aside, and taking political leanings out of it aside, that's a lot to put on somebody while running a you know major network and and on, to hate the phrase, but unprecedented times and all the shit that he would normally have to do, where ratings are dropping like you know shit on a rock. And all that shit that he's got to deal with, that'd age somebody prematurely. He's naturally aged that much. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's like shit. I do want to bring up another thing from Raw really quickly. Uh, I talked about Seths and the great character moment of that. There was a moment on Raw that was almost whiplash inducing. Um, And for all the credit you can give uh, WD creative for what they do at times and creative for having logic with the Braun and Bray thing. Um, They chose to follow the Ray almost getting blinded segment with, I I don't know if you've seen this, and I'm going to have to say this as calmly as I can, the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders playing basketball. What? Yeah. On Monday? Yes. On Monday Night Raw? Yes.
0: Okay, so let's flashback. So last Monday.
1: No. This was this was this was this week. No, uh, I need I, a flashback idea, to last Monday though. Oh, the carpool karaoke shit? Nope. What's that?
0: AEW last week, bro. Last fucking being the elite. Episode two oh two. Yeah. Which Matt and came Nick out having
1: a basketball game.
0: Nick and Matt played a basketball game. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, the idea here was that uh the Prophets have the titles, but the Viking Raiders have not been beaten. Like, the Prophets have never beaten them. And the idea of anything you can do, I can do better. It's two face teams going off against each other. but So they decided to go to the basketball court. And, and they played it up very comedically. Like, the Viking Raiders didn't know what a basketball was. And they're trying to underhand shot all this crazy, stupid shit. And just really, really, really cringeworthy, dumb shit. And then following that with... Oh yeah, so yeah, the Viking or the the Street Profits won. Well, you know we let you we let you win, right? And they what? And they cut to Ivar hitting like four threes in a row and then dunking. So yeah, we yeah we can do this better than you. We just thought we'd let you win. So there's there's payoff to it, but it was really really stupid in getting there, and you had this massive tonal shift of. The shot of the announcers all standing at the table, going, "Man, we don't condone what Seth did. That was over the line. That was way too much. That was that was really brutal. We're sorry you had to see that." So here is Vikings playing basketball.
0: Let's play basketball with Vikings.
1: Yeah. Anyway, here is Vikings playing basketball. So it's just weird, weird, really harsh tonal shift. Um, and then they ended the show in the most WWE way ever to me. They brought back uh, they brought back Edge and Orton. And the promo leading into the show was that, Oh, they were on a collision course. And what's going to happen when we put the two of them together? It's like, they've already had already done the feud that it's done. <laughs> um, and edge tries to, when they do their promos against each other, edge really does say that I'm trying to move on. I've got my pound of flesh. I'm happy with this. Um, Orton comes out and says, yeah, you were the better man and tries to walk away and, comes back cuz I couldn't do it with a straight face. Says, yeah, you you came back and you wrestled and that's great. It's a miracle. But you came back in the Royal Rumble and you could hide behind all these other people and not actually have to wrestle. And then you could you did the last man standing match on me because you could get in a fight. You've never had to wrestle. You're still rusty. You can't wrestle and you can't wrestle me. So I'm going to propose a rematch. At, I guess it's a backlash coming up. Well, you and I are just going to have a one on one wrestling match. And Ooh,
0: old school wrestling.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but like, it's, a, it's funny enough to hear him saying the word wrestling on WWE programming, but the problem is that they're trying to play the wrestling match up as the big feud ender instead of the, you know, 35 minute last man standing match they already had. And they're doing this interview with Charlie Caruso, who I like standing in the ring with them. And they finished the episode with Charlie on the mic going, Wow, guys, if if this really comes to pass, man, this could be the greatest wrestling match of all time. No. <laughs> I That swear is not to how God. they ended raw. That is that is one thousand percent how they ended raw. Ew. With that could be the greatest wrestling match of all time bitch that that's... may not even be the greatest wrestling match you watched that day. Gross. <laughs> that May not be the greatest wrestling match of that hour. <laughs> uh it's just it's one of those things where you 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 give them an inch, you give them a little bit of credibility and a little bit of credit and then they do something just dumb as shit.
0: <laughs> give them an inch they take a mile.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. Man. Um that's kind of the rundown on main roster WWE. NXT's had some goings on. Did you Um, Velveteen Dream had his title match and lost cleanly a little bit of a distraction from Dexter Loomis that backfired on Dream but Dream still lost cleanly we haven't heard from him since he wasn't on the show tonight that I'm aware of Um, in the
0: midst of a scandal you say he disappeared
1: uh, yeah we, we don't really know what's happening with that there hasn't been any developments that I'm aware of in that scandal so kind of interesting to see where that's going uh the cruiserweight tourney is still going strong. I think they're I again I haven't gotten to watch NXT from tonight, so I don't know a whole hell of a lot. Um the Eo Shirai Charlotte Flair match was last weekend weekend. Uh Charlotte went over by DQ. Well I just I should say EO went over by DQ. Charlotte uh, bitched out of the match and hit her with a kendo stick. Um Jeez. Rhea Ripley is back in the picture. Ooh. So we might get a triple threat out of that, but the that biggest thing—hell of a triple threat: Rhea Ripley, Io yeah, Shirai, agree. and fucking Charlotte. I agree. Sign um, me up. <laughs> we do have the uh, heel Gargano family is wonderful. Um, you had uh, Candice LeRae is now the Poison Pixie using uh, Super Dragon's Surfboard Curb Stomp as a finisher, which is fucking great. Um. You have Gargano as the cheerleader for her and cutting every possible corner. Uh beat Dijakovic with a handful of tights. Um the biggest thing to me, and I think the coolest thing for me last week, and I, I know I sent you the intro or the video of it, uh Killer Cross's debut. Did you get a chance to watch that?
0: One second. Yeah, I gotta move a
1: cat. Um <laughs> uh, well, if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, I know you said you did, but if any of you listening haven't had a chance to watch it, go look up the uh, intro. It may be one of the core debuts they've done in, in a while. Um, I
0: mean, it shows that they can do debuts, right? And it gives me some hope that they well, aren't I mean, completely messed up in the head over there.
1: Well, you know, I, I said that Cross had the right... He's got the right body type, and he's got the right personality to be a big player in WWE. He's going to be a Vince McMahon What dream if he gets called up right. And he has... Uh, Scarlett as his uh, manager, which is wonderful for both of them. Uh, but man, that intro it's it's the close it's the best uh, intro we've had since Alistair Black, which is high praise from me. Um, there's a really good imagery, ton of smoke machine coming out for his music, which is awesome. Uh, you have Scarlet kind of lip syncing the intro, which I think she actually may have sang. Um, great intro music, and uh, a great uh, catchphrase already that's going to, as soon as there's a crowd there, you're going to have people chanting Fallen Prey, which is fucking awesome. And then uh, the match starts, and he just annihilates a jobber. Uh, Leon Ruff, who's uh, actually a fairly good wrestler in his own right on Evolve, but uh, hits two Doomsday Saido suplexes and uh, into a rear naked choke, I believe called a cross jacket. And just mops the floor with it. the smoke hadn't even gotten out of the ring by the time the bell had rung. <laughs> Dang. So just so a hell of fast. a debut. Really, really cool debut. Uh if you get a chance did you get a chance to watch the video or no?
0: I haven't had a chance to watch the video, not yet, but I'm gonna do it as soon as we off here.
1: Say so I know I sent it to you, so go check it out. It's worthwhile. Um I will absolutely. But that's the that's the story of NXT at the moment. Um, I don't know what's happened tonight. I did see an announcement that uh, they announced the name of the next takeover, which they apparently had DX involved somehow in announcing it. Takeover at home to be, edition tonight. Well, it's called Takeover in Your House. N- like no. they're rev- they're they're bringing back the in your house logo and everything. That's incredible. I love that. I'm not going to lie. I love that. I don't know what they're going to do with it. NXT's got my benefit of a doubt for just about everything. But just seeing that alone, I fucking love it. <laughs> um,
0: Sign me up in your house. Come on, man. Yeah. Throwing it back to the old times.
1: Yep. Makes me think of a, uh, Beware of Dog when the power went out.
0: Ooh, yeah.
1: Um. Do you want to do some quick hits on AEW?
0: Sure, man. Update us. Now, I know that we are gearing towards the Double or Nothing pay-per-view, May 23rd.
1: Next weekend, yeah. Uh,
0: next weekend, which is exciting. That's when my cats have their next uh, vet visit. Uh, <laughs> so that date's like impermanently imprinted into my brain Meets, But uh, I know that we have the Murderhawk versus Cody match for the TNT yep. uh, television championship, essentially. Yep. I know that we have, uh, in that match, Iron Mike Tyson's going to be presenting the belt, whether that's before or mm-hmm. after, how they're going to do that. I'm not sure what the game plan for Mike is, but he's involved, which is pretty nifty.
1: Uh, I've seen videos of the dude recently. He's been working out, and he looks scary as shit, so I'm hoping he does something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh,
0: I've seen that we are going to have a John Moxley, uh, Exalted One, Brody Lee. Yep, Mr. Match. Brody
1: Lee uh, stole the title belt. Yeah, Ten stole it tonight. Yeah. Well, and stole it last weekend. Or last week actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm he's, a little uh, behind. The match, it's this the feud if you want to call it that's only been two it's only been a week old now. Uh oh. it all went down last week uh after Moxley defended the or Moxley had a very good match against Kazarian. Um Brody Lee comes out with the Creepers jump Moxley and then Brody has a Promo about how they want to take you know take what's theirs blah 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 and Moxley just goes dude if that's all you wanted you could have just asked and then Brody uh, beats the shit out of him again and walks off with the belt and then tonight Brutal. actually had the uh, I think it was Dasha doing the ring announcing uh, actually announced him as the self proclaimed AEW World Champion so still lugging okay, the belt I could around I be on tonight. board with this yeah it's it's not a bad little feud it's just very quick. Um, you also have, uh, in the Cody and Lance Archer thing, you had the re-debut of the, not just Jake the Snake Roberts, but the snake last week.
0: He bit Brandy.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, he had some, uh, kind of unsavory quotes towards Brandy. Brandy cut a promo on him, telling her, telling him basically keep your, uh, keep my name out of your mouth. And, uh, yeah, he knocked her down and, uh, for lack of a better term, air humped her and then threw the snake on her. <laughs> Wow yeah it was a little, little little rough um that led to uh Cody tonight you know bringing his truck to the arena and yeah there's some there's some heat to it um did you get to watch the end of dynamite last week I did not see last week's dynamite
0: at all okay um I started the week the first of the three weeks that I'm behind because I'm behind three weeks
1: yeah. i won't. I, I won't go it, into I won't go into spoiling a whole hell of a lot, but uh, the street fight between Les Sex Gods and uh, Matt Hardy and Omega well, is one the of the better street and fights. And I saw and
0: Omega's, um, did he do a shooting star press off of a scaffold or something?
1: He did. He did. Yeah,
0: I saw but, that, uh, and I saw the Guevara getting chased by Broken okay. Hardy yeah, the, it, yeah. it, it, uh, in the golf cart. They hit
1: Guevara with the, with the golf cart, so Sammy's dead. <laughs> Although, Although he, Sammy he showed back up tonight and took a nasty bump off of a uh, 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 twist of fate. You'll um, never
0: even believe who Sammy Guevara did a little uh, vlog impromptu thing with. What's that? You'll never believe who I saw Sammy do an impromptu
1: vlog thing with. Was it the uh, the match with the broom and the mop? Uh, yep. One, uh, oh God why can't you think that uh, Ricky uh Ricky Starks. Yeah, Ricky Starks yep. from NWA. The two of them actually used to tag team. So yeah, they, they, there's some uh, definite connection between the two of them.
0: I needed I wanted to tweet them and be like if you guys are a really ta- a real tag team, call yourself Pretty Pandas. Yeah. Cuz it's like it's like the perfect tag team name for them. Mm-hmm. Ricky Starks is I mean he's amazing it sucks that he isn't able to work right now and all this and that NWA is kind of temporarily shut down NWA ran a show last soft night. reopening so we may end yeah. up getting some NWA yeah. sooner rather than later
1: uh supposedly I, I haven't gotten to watch NWA I didn't see much of it from last night but supposedly uh Corgan announced some kind of a new thing coming up too and I don't really know much about it at all cool so there's some there's some more to it there um the only thing... I'm going to give you one spoiler from tonight. Um We had a character die. Ooh, oh no. Mm-hmm. Who died? Vanguard 1 is no more. Who? Vanguard 1 is no more. What? Yeah. Jericho beat Vanguard to death with a baseball bat.
0: That just, like, made me sick. I know it's just a fucking yeah, drone. It, but, yeah. Like, it happened on he, live
1: TV. That Brutal. Um... Yeah, AEW is kind of in a weird spot because they're building to this pay-per-view here in two weeks that we didn't know whether or not they were going to be able to have. The feuds have been kind of funky because they've been kind of built on the fly. Uh, They also announced that uh, the Inner Circle has challenged uh, the Elite, and the Elite has accepted, to a stadium stampede match.
0: The fuck is a stadium stampede match?
1: Um, Based on what Jericho described, it's a match at the uh, Jaguars Stadium. Using the entire stadium, Ooh. so it sounds to me like a pre-tape. Uh, sounds to me like a boneyard esque, cinematic style street fight. <laughs> Dude, listen,
0: if you've been watching any of the Being the Elites, they can do it. I mean, oh, I, so I have no that, doubt
1: in my mind they can make it work.
0: Like, but not only make it work, make it really fun. You know, mm-hmm. they're they are no really doubt in my mind, yeah, very very creative and fresh in this. Right, and it, it shows.
1: Well, I mean. It's interesting to me that uh, when it comes to the pre-tape things, you got to look back to you know the the Hardys and the you know Final Deletion and all that was kind of the the grandfather of it all, like the precursor to everything that we've seen now. So Impact was kind of the first to really do it, and they still Thanks, do some Jeremy very Bo good Rash. stuff. Yes. And they do still do they still do some uh pre tape stuff even now that's very good um, oh
0: impact does yeah
1: oh yeah cool um and I haven't gotten to watch much of impact, but they've had some interesting developments in their their world as well they've reintroduced the original t n a title um then you look at WWE is kind of take. Yes. They reintroduced
0: the original TNA
1: title. You heard me correctly. Yes. Moose is carrying it. I don't, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, um, Tessa Blanchard, the champion is on quarantine in Mexico currently. So they had to redo their triple threat that they had planned for the title because two of the three were not available. It's a interesting, interesting thing. You also have a heel, uh, excuse me, heel Joey Ryan, which is strange in its own right. He's paired up with uh, um, RVD and his fiance, girlfriend, whatever you want to call her.
0: Both of them, you mean?
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> the, the, the point I wanted to get at is that WWE is kind of leading the charge now on the cinematic matches. We know AEW can do them well because of being the elite, but it's kind of interesting to see that they weren't the one leading this one for a change. They're actually following WWE's lead on it. They got beaten to it in a sense. Hmm. Yeah, man. Not to say that not to say it will be bad or anything like that. It should be amazing, but it's interesting to see that for a change, it's AEW is in the is in the following position. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah,
0: I think that um, I really wish that I was caught up on AEW, and I'm sorry to all my listeners and all all of our listeners. That I'm not, you know, and, and, and just to briefly talk talk on life, life happens sometimes, and honestly, it's not that I don't want to watch wrestling, but Wednesdays have really been family night. It just kind of has fallen to be that night,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so my goal is to be caught up by the next podcast, all the way completely caught up. We'll be on the other side of uh, Double or Nothing then as well,
1: yep. right? Yeah, that should be it, yeah.
0: That'll be the, our next episode will be the yep, Double or nothing follow. fallout. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So, um, um, honestly, um, it's weird though because I watch so much Being the Elite. I feel like I kind of still know, and I don't know if you know this at all, but the whole Luchasaurus story that they're telling on Being the Elite. I've,
1: and- I've not gotten to watch Being the Elite. I've read some of the highlights. And that, I don't I don't get the Luchasaurus thing. I don't get the private party thing. I just, those I don't understand.
0: Okay, so I'll, I'll explain. The Luchasaurus thing, I think the thing about him losing, quote-unquote, his tail is that they're playing off of the dinosaur thing. They're playing, obviously, but they're playing off of the dark side of him. And I think that they're going to kind of make uh, his reemergence of a darker side of Luchasaurus. Not to say that he's going to be a heel because he's very hot as a good guy. But the more aggressive, angry, Maybe. you know, c- could be a way that they're slowly building this story. And I'm, and I'm not really sure where they're going. Or they're going to reform him with a new tag team, which would be very unfortunate. I love Jurassic Express. I,
1: I don't think they're going to break up Jurassic Express anytime soon, but that's just Correct. me.
0: They're, they make money. They're they're awesome. Yeah. So, you know, that's one thing. Uh, what was the other th- Oh, Oh, you were talking about the private party thing from being the elite. That's yes. definitely... Well, they're they're definitely introducing either a new wrestler or a new character. Cause they had some like voodoo type dude show up this week.
1: Yeah, I, again, I haven't gotten to watch much of it, so I don't really know. I so, just, I read something about being attacked by a panda, and I didn't quite, I didn't quite get that. So, wait, who got attacked by a panda? I thought there was something about he got attacked by a panda. Luchasaurus like Mark got attacked. Yeah. One of the uh, private party guys. Again, I'm not getting to watch the episode, so I'm trying to remember back to something I'd read. The
0: private party guys got attacked by a teddy bear. Teddy and bear, okay. I think the teddy bear is a metaphor for Bernard, the bear, who is a part of the elite, right. who I think had something to do with Adam Cole, who still has unfinished business with private party, but since they're in quarantine, he has to, essentially the bear is playing hangman, sort of. that makes any fucking sense but not really right but it's all a head trip and i don't know i don't know man i think that i think it's actually super amazing and interesting that while i haven't been able to watch the AEW product i've been able to watch being the elite so we can actually cover cover the full spread Mm -hmm. you know uh but uh all in all man i'm happy with their product and jazzed for what's to come i can't wait for double or nothing i agree Uh,
1: it should be a great show Mox retains. Just to quickly say that. Oh yeah, there's yeah. I don't see them t- taking it off him after one pay per view. Even, even if it, I don't see Brody Lee losing cleanly. But yeah.
0: Also, you heard it here first, folks. Murder Hawk wins. Oh, absolutely. He's gonna beat him because that's a cool thing to give Lance Archer that title. Cody again, always chasing but never getting. Yeah. He he doesn't need the title. Does what's he was he trying to prove? Yeah. He actually looks kind of like an asshole if he puts the title on himself. So he's actively not doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, he can he can say, oh, Kenny can be tag champs for a time with Hangman, but we'll take him off of him, you know,
1: or we're going to put, you know. It, it, you're hitting it right on the head with him always chasing, and it plays into, uh, kind of plays back into his unfinished feud with MJF as well.
0: Yes. Thank you. So, so there's, like,
1: a, there's a long-form arc here with Cody that's going to play out, I think.
0: Because Cody's not going to win this title. Which means he lost his chance at winning the world title because he lost to Jericho at full gear. Yeah. Then he lost this title, and he's not going to probably challenge for that, even though he has had this humongous winning streak, winningest month of uh, mm-hmm. or winning his past couple months here uh, in the company, according to what they said on Dynamite three weeks ago. Right. Um. So, you know, you're at a point now where Cody loses this. And then he goes down another rung, and maybe he teams for with somebody for a minute, and he can't get a tag title run. Or they win, and they get a tag title shot, but he can't win. He keeps losing the big one, and that becomes kind of like the game. Oh, he went to the big leagues mm-hmm. in WWE, couldn't win the big one. And even though he didn't really have a shot at the big one, but that I digress. Here, and actually I just remember we didn't cover something else that we need to, we're going to have to back up on, but we'll do that in a minute. But like... Cody can ultimately keep falling down the rungs until the only thing left he has is, God damn it, I'm going to beat MJF if it fucking kills me.
1: Yep. And if if it kills me,
0: you know what I want? I want that fucking dynamite diamond ring. Right. And then now, oh, look, that's in play. And what does Cody have? The Ring of Honor again, essentially. (laughs) Or the symbolization of the Ring of Honor, something he held in Ring of Honor, on TV again while not being a champion.
1: I think there's definitely a long form angle for him and a uh, a lot of character building that he can have over a long span. I think that's a great thing for him as well. So let's time travel for a minute, Buckles. Sure. I th- I thought you told me there was
0: Sammy Zayn news and I don't know it.
1: Yes, there was. That's correct. I did miss something that there as of last night and they I, we don't really know a whole lot about it yet. They've had the announcement, we don't know much about it beyond the Sammy's that, that pregnant. announcement. <laughs> not Sammy's not pregnant, but Sammy did have to give up the title. Um, backstage, the idea is that Sammy's one that has said that he's not going to come work during the pandemic. He's he's staying at home. So, the longest-running champion, the longest-running uh, concurrent champion of all time, Vacant, is now the Intercontinental Champion. Wait, uh, tournament? Yep, they're going to be doing some kind of a tournament. Uh, we don't know Round Robin. We don't know how it's going to play out. I'm hoping Round Robin because it's such a breath of fresh air for WWE and it would fill out more time over a few shows
0: yeah because you don't have to quickly get to the results
1: right so work, I, I'm and, guessing oh, we'll have two, more have of that lose cleared 20s. up for us on, uh, on Smackdown this Friday I
0: think that fucking WWF Raw on the Nintendo 64 had round Robin
1: mode mm-hmm. I think it's it's a neat thing because it's something you see New Japan do a lot and to yeah. great effect and hey the G1 Climax takes almost a full month of shows that's awesome so you can use. I love that. a build like that. Yeah, you can use that,
0: especially when it comes down to pure like, hey, the point of this is to slow build to like an right. important moment, and it comes off more as wrestling. But then you can have the character moments where, oh, your super good guy has to fight the ultra heel, and that's like fucking oil and water. That's amazing. Right. You know, it sets up for There's, bigger things, and WWE needs to. It, I mean, I'm not gives, to tell them that they're doing anything wrong because I think right now they're. They're they're hitting a stride, strangely enough. They're not perfect, mm-hmm. um, but WWE is hitting a stride. I think AEW's definitely hit the ground running with this, and they're like, we used to do bingo shows to four people, and we used to do wrestling matches in the backyard. We dreamed about this shit, you right. know. Like, of course we'll do this. Like, this is easy for them. At WWE, it's a little bit harder because they're like, oh, stockholders, we got to fucking worry about this. We got to make people happy. Ah, uh, right. you know. And that's all lost in the wash, man. It, it's unimportant. We need wrestling to be good again, and WWE is starting to find that pulse, especially with the comedy. They're
1: stumbling their way into it.
0: Like, I don't know how, but the comedy and a mixture yeah. of the pre-taped, like, stylistic segmented matches that are almost like digital shorts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what? that That's exactly it, man. Let me just say that. That is what the boneyard match fire five Funhouse, a stampede stadium match whatever the hell you want to call these pre-taped big banger type matches that they can work spots figure out how they want to do things before they have Mm -hmm. to hit it live on tv you know so it's perfect and exactly how they want it it's like watching saturday night live when they used to have digital shorts
1: yeah like andy samberg
0: and he would do dick in a box with justin timberlake and shit lonely island and stuff like that like it's exactly that, and that's why I think it's refreshing because it's like, oh, it's wrestling, but it's kind of a different lens. It's, but it's still our people. We st- it's still it's a our little character. More
1: free, it's it feels a little more free form in a way. Yeah, and yes. it's 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 introducing a little bit of air of unpredictability to an extent. Um, it's just unusual for it to be unpredictability in the sense of not we don't know what's going to happen next, but. Whatever they're doing, it could go very wrong at any point in time. Yeah, they can left turn into a brick wall in an instant over there. Like, it's
0: not likely for AEW to make that kind of mistake. They'd have to really set a critical error in their path to fucking destroy themselves for that to happen, I think.
1: Eh, I'm not going to come out and say that AEW's done everything perfectly. I'm not Uh, saying they're doing things perfectly. I'm not going to say they're going to fail. I think that... WWE is playing with a little higher stakes maybe.
0: Correct. They they have more to lose if yes. mistakes are made. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying it's it's harder it's like AEW is on autopilot not to say that they're like not trying. I don't
1: want that to be No, I I'd, it comes I'd off agree as. with that. I'd agree with that absolutely.
0: Like, they're already on the track and the car's driving itself. They don't have to think about it too much. WWE mm. is a small child who's been given the wheel to the car for the first time ever and been told, go out and race at 200 miles an hour. Good luck. Turn left. And the first question they said was, you said turn right, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, and
0: you're like, oh, God, this can go bad. Like, I hope they really heard what I was saying, you know?
1: I kind of, I kind of equate it to, uh, babysitter and, uh, you know, the kid she's watching. And the kid she's watching is already playing in his own little world. Doesn't matter. Nothing that nothing that happens to him really makes any kind of difference to him. He's, he's off in his own little world. When the babysitter goes, uh, okay, I have no supervision, and now shit's happening and I gotta react to it. Kid doesn't care. Kid's just going. Yep. But she's gotta figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> and think on the fly. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um... I got to say, you were talking about Cody and mentioned having some, you know, we talked about his freeform storytelling and, and having a longer arc, and it really it kind of sounds like a little bit of fantasy booking on your part.
0: I mean, sort of, yeah. I think that's a good way to say it because Cody, again, one phenomenal wrestler. Right. And I think that the consensus could be from the WWE office who know full well that Cody is partially behind the success of AEW. Right. They're almost waiting for him to put the belt on himself. It's a Triple H type move, you know?
1: Well, I mean, it, I think it's a, I think it's really nice that you're doing some fantasy booking because we have segments for fantasy booking. Oh, yes, we do, my friend. And let me <laughs> volley it
0: over to you because I think you have one queued up this week, right?
1: I do. Uh, this will be our second of the You Got the Book. Cool. I can't and, wait uh, to hear this it. this was me this time. And uh, I want to take you back. You mentioned time travel a second ago. I want to t- try and travel back a little bit further, all the way back to WrestleMania 27. Okay. And uh, just kind of set the stage here. You have Miz, John Cena with The Rock as the special referee. And then a year later, you have the once-in-a-lifetime match at WrestleMania 29, or 28, rather. And then in 29, the twice-in-a-lifetime. And to me, that never sat well with me. I don't mind twice-in-a-lifetime. I don't mind... You know, a a once-in-a-lifetime match getting a rematch. I get it. However, I always thought that there should have been some more payoff to it. You never really had an arc in between the two. You have a perfect chance to do some long-form storytelling, like we just talked about with Cody, and they completely passed on it. So what I want to do real quick is set the stage a little bit. I want to talk about the character arc that I think John Cena should have had between 28 and 29. Sure, let's break it down, man. Give
0: me, what, is, well, what's John just, Cena's world like if Buckles has the book?
1: Well, re- let's look at reality first. What really happened? What sure. did we actually see between 28 and 29? 27, Miz goes over the Cena, over Cena, runs the title. Really, we all knew it was about Cena and The Rock the entire next time. Next night Miz on Raw, though, right? He challenged. Next night on Raw, the debut of Brock Lesnar. Uh, You go into Extreme Rules where uh, Cena wins and then gets drug into the John Laurinaitis feud with Big Show and the Ironclad contract, and it's just dumb. Um, You have Raw 1000 kind of thrown in that summer uh, with the CM Punk and The Rock starting their little mini feud. Um, And then later on in the year, you have... uh, uh, Cena actually takes some time off for a legit arm injury uh, during, uh, I believe it was Hell in a Cell, uh, Ryback's push. That all throws in. Leading up to the match with uh, with CM Punk uh, after the Rumble to get to WrestleMania. That's what really happened. And the thing is that Cena kind of jumps from feud to feud and he had a feud with the with uh Dolph Ziggler around New Year's of that year that went nowhere there was AJ involved in a lot of it he didn't have any character building he just kind of jumped from feud to feud and never really lost much of anything so I wanted to give him an actual character arc and in my mind Mania 27 completely the same Miz goes over Cena because of The Rock and really, everybody knows that you're there to watch The Rock and Cena. No one really cares about The Miz, but he still wins. The next night, or the next year, we get, to, uh, we get to WrestleMania. You have the same build between Mania 27 and 28. You build that once-in-a-lifetime match between Rock and Cena, and you have the exact same match. Rock beats Cena as normal. Uh, Cena goes for the, uh, for the uh, People's Elbow, gets caught, loses. That's the important thing. He gets caught with that people's elbow, when he tries to get cute and do the people's elbow the next night on raw cena comes out and cuts a promo saying the rock was the better man that night and you know he lost to the better man but he never really acknowledges that people's elbow he never really acknowledges the fact that it was him fucking up and getting cute that cost him the match so he just completely glosses over that fact just doesn't even acknowledge it you have lesnar debut attack Cena the exact same way as we saw in, in true history. Don't you go to extreme don't,
0: rules. Don't don't
1: Yeah. Huge pop. You go to extreme rules. This time. Uh, it's a competitive match, but in the end, Lesnar's too much. Just beats Cena down at the end. Cena loses clean. It's not it's not the SummerSlam beat down that we saw a couple of years later, but it is a competitive match that Lesnar goes over. And. Cena, you know, takes it in stride. Same way you'd see Cena normally take a loss. Comes back the next night like it never even happened. Um, You go into Over the Limit, the next pay-per-view. You still have the same John Laurinaitis feud where Cena gets involved and he's ending people power or whatever. Big Show interferes, like, as normal. And uh, when they had the John Laurinaitis-John Cena match, Laurenitis actually goes over Cena because Big Show interferes and knocks Cena out. And you end the Laurenitis thing somehow some other way. You 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 get Laurenitis out of power with somebody else, maybe Punk, I don't know. Uh, after the match though, Big Show's kind of gloating over Cena, gives Cena a people's elbow. Just to dig that dig it a little in. Next pay per view is no way out. You have the Cena and Big Show have a feud. And Cena has show visibly beat like he's got him up, beats him with a or he's got him up for an AA, has him easily pinned, tries to pick him up for a second, gets reversed. Big show goes over Cena. Clean. Just because Cena tried for that second AA and got beat. And when he walks out of that match, Cena looks he's got this kind of weird look on his face like he's frustrated, like he's not, you know, kicking chairs and flipping out and shit, but he's something's a little up there. Next night, you know, comes out, does his normal shtick, kind of brushes it off, moving forward. We're going to have Money in the Bank qualifying matches. You know, like we're doing these days. We don't just have a match. We're going to have qualifying matches to get into Money in the Bank. Sure. Cena's in this qualifying match. Loses via roll-up. Gets caught. Just flash pin out of nowhere. Best finisher of all time. a Good old roll-up. And... When he leaves after that match, that qualifying match, he's visibly frustrated. Like, you can see he's like, he's mad. He's not lashing out at anybody. Steam's coming out of them ears, yeah, though. Yeah, he's not, he's not, you know, pushing a cameraman out of the way, but he's visibly pissed off about it. Not happy. Mad about losing. Like, so like you watch a, an NBA guy after he loses a, you know, a game ending shot, walks back, he's just pissed off in the locker room. Sure. Um, so really, because he loses that qualifying match, Scene is not on Money in the Bank. He sits the show out, and uh, when somebody asks him about it, you know goes to interview him later on, he's pretty pissed off about it. He's, he, he gets kind of angry, he reacts angrily to it, kind of snaps a little bit, and then calms down, just "Sorry, I should have done that." They make the announcement that hey, Raw one 1000's coming up, rock's going to be on Raw1,000." And Cena behind, you know, when they announce that, you see Cena just kind of roll his eyes like he's pissed off about it. He doesn't, whatever. I don't care about The Rock. Raw 1000 rolls around. Have The Rock come out and announce his Royal Rumble title shot, just like he does normally. At Raw 1000, he announces, calls a shot, I'm going to get a title shot with Punk at Raw 1000. That's the main event of the show. But beforehand, earlier on that night, Cena's a guest on Miz TV. Miz gives him a bunch of shit about, you know, making him a joke at, the, at his mania back in 27. Like, Miz is giving him shit for making his mania moment all about Rock and Cena. And then you couldn't even beat Rock. You made it all about you, and you couldn't even beat him. Um, and but that's he's just, just like you, Cena. isn't it, John? Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's like, it, you made it, it all just about like you, you, and then you couldn't even beat the Rock. <laughs>
0: All, it was my moment to shine, my yeah. moment to yeah. stamp a, 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 a. I can hear him fucking yeah. saying it, you know, stamp my legacy because it was, you know, I said when I was on Real yep. World that I would be the champion and 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 I even acted and like the no Rock and he cared was in about, the fucking match. And nobody you know? cared
1: about the Miz at it. Nobody gave two shits about the Miz being it. It was all about Rock and Cena. Yeah, and on the oh. payoff of all that was you losing to Cena, you losing to Rock. You couldn't even beat him after all that. So he just keeps needling him about it. Cena goes to leave the show or leave uh, Miz TV. And Miz makes some little snide remark about The Rock being the better man that night. And Cena just absolutely flips his shit and beats Miz up. Like he's getting ready to leave the ring. And Cena, uh, Miz mentioned something about being the better man. And Cena just spins on a dime and just whips the shit out of Miz. And visibly like goes way too far. Like not, not a chair shot to the head, but beats the living hell out of him. Um, and as he walks off, you know, everybody's, what the fuck, you know? Next week, Cena comes out and apologizes, you know, conduct, I'm becoming a superstar. Like, I, you know, I went too far. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I You can even make that, that a character
0: too... moment for him a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, I lost my temper. I'm sorry. Miz comes out and just riles him up more. Calls him a bully and a thug. And Cena's legitimately apologetic. And Miz is still very much the heel, but Cena's still... Comes off as kind of a little bit worse for it. So you have a feud between the two of them at SummerSlam. It's Miz and Cena. Miz beats Cena via roll up.
0: Oh, Ooh,
1: you know what? I have a well, thought on that. Hold on, hold on. Afterwards, you go backstage and Cena has a fucking meltdown backstage. Yeah, like but I he has a beat. Conor I McGregor want... throwing a chair through a bus windshield. Just fucking meltdown, Ooh, yelling I and love screaming. That. And, Having a temper tantrum, but not not with anybody present. He's just beating up lockers and shit. Like he's just having a meltdown to himself. I need to set up your uh, roll up finish for Cena. Well, yeah, and you've got you've already got The Rock announcing his title shot for Royal Rumble. So okay. move on to Night of Champions. We'll say Cena wins a triple threat match, gets a shot at Punk. Hold on one Says, second. Sure. I need to throw something your way. Sure.
0: I think that when the, the, the roll-up finish happens with Miz, right, mm-hmm. if, if it was me, you know how that spot would go? Sure. Cena gets Miz up for the AA. Lights go out. If you smell. Lights come back on. He is completely white-faced far. looking at the ramp. See, no, he is I wouldn't even go Miz that far. Down.
1: I wouldn't even go that far. Really? Because the story the story isn't The Rock at all. The well, Rock has got nothing to do with the feud. No, no, no. It's I'm just, just saying just, that Miz put the music on. No, I mean, well, I okay, I could see that. Like I he mentally
0: fucks with Cena. He put the music on cuz he knows Cena's going to turn
1: like my yeah. ghost is is going to come off me essentially. I'm I kind of want it to be a little more subtle. Okay, myself. okay. I'm like, into subtlety. I'm I cool want, I want I want it Keep to doing. be like the Rock feud is is something maybe you, it's kind of on the fringes of it, but really it's Cena just loses to Miz on a roll-up, just gets caught, period. He keeps getting caught. I love it. Yeah, he just gets caught. Um, not, he's just not on his game. Um, so, Knight of Champions, you have, say, Cena wins a triple threat, gets a title shot at Punk. Um, Punk saying, I want to beat The Rock later at the Royal Rumble like Cena never could. So, you have a, a nice little one-off feud between Cena and Punk, but always good um will say Cena ends up winning via DQ because the Shield debuts a month early or 2 months early not at Survivor Series but debuts at Night of Champions and lays out Cena. Because like we mentioned earlier Cena actually sits out legitimately sits out hell in the cell because of an injury. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll factor that in too. So instead of saying he just got hurt the Shield actually puts him out. He misses Hell in the Cell because C- the Shield put him out. Um Survivor Series comes around. Uh, You have Cena and maybe a couple other people in a uh, triple threat or in in a tag team triple threat match against the Shield. And his team loses because Cena gets distracted by something that doesn't prevent a pin. Like, he doesn't get pinned himself, but he doesn't. Again, he's not on his game. He's missed something and just fucked up and got caught. You can like, even hear his partner He did He didn't stop the there. Yeah, he just he did quick enough. <clears throat> he has another meltdown backstage this time. Just has another fucking like pissed off, crazy ass throwing shit moment. Only this time he actually ends up putting hands on a referee when they try to stop him. Ooh. And he doesn't doesn't hurt the guy, but he literally he's still putting hands on him is something he doesn't do. So, from that point on, the next night, you start seeing uh, announcers and interviewers are starting to pick up on this, like, what's wrong with John Cena? Like, they're just kind of pushing this angle of, man, what's going on with Cena? Why is he, he's lost a lot this year. He's not on his game. What's wrong? What's going on with Cena? And the more they ask him about it, the more he gets pissed off. He calls it bad luck. He calls it a slump. You know, everybody has a slump. The Cena slump. Yeah, everybody has these bad moments. You know, every, every, Kobe missed shots, whatever. Like, why is it such a big deal that he's losing? So he just gets more and more annoyed, more and more angry the more people talk about it. Um, TLC comes around, and he doesn't even have a match scheduled. But gets into an impromptu match with Ziggler because Ziggler makes a comment about The Rock getting a shot at the Rumble. and um, They get into this impromptu, you know, maybe a no-DQ match right there on the spot kind of thing. And uh, Cena goes to give Ziggler a people's elbow, gets caught with a super kick and loses. Ooh. That narrative of that what's wrong with Cena gets even bigger. Gets even bigger. Cena declares for the Rumble. Says, I just need to get back to myself. I need to win. I'm declaring for the Rumble. Does he declare number one to be ballsy? Could be. Cena makes it to the final two and loses. (sighs) In the main event of the night... The Rumble's not the main event that night. The main event is The Rock winning the title over Punk. Which is opposite what we did last week with what my book was, but I love it. So, Rock wins the title in the main event. Cena loses the Rumble. (laughs) And so now he's like, his shot is gone. The next night, on uh, the Raw after the Rumble, Cena finally comes clean. He finally gets on the mic, and he's pissed off. He's like, he finally just snaps and goes, I never got over that loss at Mania. I called The Rock the better man. He was not the better man. I was the better man. I had him beat. I had him dead to rights. I got sloppy. I got cute. I lost. The Rock didn't beat me. I beat me. And I've been beating myself all year since. He's become a jerk. He's miserable. He's taking it out on people who don't deserve it. He hates it. He's pissed off. He's tired about beating himself. He's tired about letting everybody down, and the only thing that he can do to make it right is beating the Rocket Mania. He actually comes off really genuine, like completely earnest Cena and goes, Elimination Chamber coming up. I am putting my career on the line. If I cannot earn my shot at the title at Elimination Chamber, I will retire. Goes and wins the Chamber match. Then we get Cena-Rock 2 as normal. Dude, I love that. That was a much cooler build. Like this whole <clears> idea <throat> of not just of not just him. Like there needed to be an angle. That shot of him on the rampway at the end of Mania twenty eight, after he loses the rock the first time, stunned. There was never a payoff to that. There always should have been some sort of payoff, but they just had him do his little pussy footing around with these random ass Laurinitis whatever feuds, and you had a chance to really tell a character story. Of Cena being humanized and being that, you know, that athlete, that Kobe Bryant misses a shot and, or Jordan misses a shot and goes back and he's in the locker room pissed off. You know, that happens to every major athlete, but you never see it happen to a wrestler. It happened to Michael Jordan. Why couldn't it happen to Cena? And how would Cena react to it? Yeah. So let's have this slump, a legitimate slump for Cena where he does, he's just in a rut, beats himself. and and how he deals with it, and how does he come back. Give him a redemption arc that he actually earns. Dude, I love it. We should have WWE booking.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know what we're going to do in a few years?
1: You could see the exact same thing with Cody coming up. Just throwing that out there.
0: Yeah, totally. But you know what we could do in a few years with You've Got the Book? This. Like, we could literally
1: rebook the coronavirus time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know that I have the cognitive, cognitive capacity to rebook the Firefly Funhouse. I, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> well, you don't have to book that specifically. <laughs> no, I know what you're doing. I know what you're getting at, though. There's a it, Right now, the, the possibility of what you can do with your feuds is pretty up in the air. Um, the only thing I would say that we... It's it would be difficult to fantasy book this era because we don't really know who is willingly there and who is willingly not. Oh, that's that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, I would want to book a feud. I could I'd love to book a intercontinental title feud for Sami Zayn right now, but if he's not there you can't do it. Correct. You gotta just be like that, yeah. oh, well, that's that. But there's a lot of ways you could do call ups you could fantasy book call ups or you could fantasy book This would be the great time to have Cesaro get a title run or something like that. Hell, We could see that. There's a legitimate chance of that. But, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can take an era like this right now.
0: Oh, man. Well, you know what you just made me realize? What's that? Next episode, I've got the book again. That's right. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) I know what I'm going to do. Give me a teaser
1: here. Got a teaser?
0: we're going to rebook the invasion. The invasion, uh
1: huh. Ooh,
0: and I'm getting gonna ballsy here. Some, okay,
1: <laughs> I'm going to
0: make some massive changes to how things played out, and it's going to all end. right.
1: It's going right. to
0: literally be seismically different with how that. I out. I would love to see it. I'm I am here for right. it. Okay, so I'm going to have to go back through the annals of history. Maybe I'll watch the Raws after the buyout and everything into uh, building until the invasion.
1: I will say that the actual Invasion pay per view has a special spot in my heart because it's one of the very first ones I got to order with my family.
0: I don't know if I've told the story to you, but that's actually the same for me. Yeah, Um, my first wrestling pay per view that I got to watch was Seventeen, WrestleMania Seventeen. Yeah, uh, actually, same. Ever? Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I remember. Yeah, X Seven was watching at my buddy's house first time, and then I talked my folks into getting Invasion.
0: I was at a buddy's house for that and Invasion, and the night of Invasion, my town got hit by a small tornado, kind of.
1: I actually talked my family into watching Invasion with me, like ordering an Invasion we all watched as a family. They had to rent the the, uh, pay-per-view box and everything.
0: Yep, go to the old place, get the box, plug it in. Then you'd get the cool, like, WWE 24-7, and you're like, what the fuck is this? WWE twenty four seven. What's that? And it's, of course, what the network is now. But then, like, they were showing all these matches, and you are like, I want to watch these matches and all these cool pre show mm-hmm. things. They would go to uh, WWE like New York City.
1: Uh, what was that place? The WWE New York. Yeah, yeah, that
0: was yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. and then, and it was like cut to the crowd. Everybody's going crazy. Oh God, wrestling is so good. I am
1: excited to see you redoing the invasion now because there is a lot of ways you can take that.
0: Oh, it's and it's. I think it was always, and here's the only thing I'm going to say on the tease side of it. Sure. The the Invasion angle is amazing, and I loved it for what it was. But what it was was so hokey to what it could have been.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And we're going to get into that. We're going to talk. Um, we're going to really break it down how it would have to happen. It might be a majority of the podcast, honestly. Like We might well, I just mean, be hell. talking Invasion next episode.
1: To be brutally honest, as long as you're not a, a petty dickhead like uh, like Vince was at the time, you should be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to be petty. I think I'm going to be really, really forward-thinking and look at this bigger picture and retrospectively 25 years later and go, Oh, these are the just, stars that needed to be involved, and this is how you could have do me."
1: it. do me one solid favor and don't have DDP stalking Undertaker's wife. That was so bad. <clears throat> no,
0: I'm not having DDP anywhere near Undertaker because that's not a feud that Thank makes you. any Thank you for sense. That. <laughs> and let me tell you... Spoiler alert, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Hulk Hogan will return at the invasion during the invasion there angle. There we go. Way before they did at eighteen and all that shit. That's I like not it. gonna be this long way-down thing. We're gonna have I, like a, it. I have a
1: really interesting idea to play on. I like it. So uh, I'm well, man, we went a lo- we went a little longer than last time, but I think we I think we're still with safely within two hours and a few a few change minutes.
0: Yeah, man, I'm into it. It's fine. We had a great episode. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, covered a lot of ground. And even for there not being a ton of wrestling, there's still a ton of talk about wrestling because of the things right. that are going on right. within wrestling. I'm just going to keep using the word, you guessed it, wrestling, because that's what we talk about here. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this week. Buckles, is there anything else we need to dive into, I mean, that we might have missed?
1: No, I think we pretty much covered everything wrestling-related. Yeah. Um that I'm aware of, like I said, we didn't get, I didn't, haven't gotten to really follow into NXT tonight. See if there's any new developments. I do believe I saw a title change, but I'm not really familiar with what all happened yet. So, uh, but yeah, I think we've covered a lot of it. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out. Uh, if you are, you know, stuck at home, if you're still in quarantine, you got a few minutes or if you're just bored sitting at home, you've gone through your Netflix, you've gone through all that shit. You've watched tiger King until you can, you know, quote it. Throw on uh, IWTV or throw on High Spots Network. A lot of these places, uh, WWN Live is doing it as well. Hell, if you've got access to New Japan World, a lot of them are running round-the-clock streaming. Like They're That's running awesome. new shit. or not, I shouldn't say new shit, but they're running new stuff every night or they're running shows every night, like programming, which they don't usually do. So these are places that, A, need your patronage for one, like, IWTV needs your ten bucks a month, but it's a good way to get some experience into new things or you know kill an hour. And, and, go watch and American to, Rana.
0: I think what one thing that needs to be a way to sell IWTV to people more is listen. There are a lot of these great wrestlers. We got like Orange casting and all these people that are in mm-hmm. AEW now, and a lot of these people don't know shit about them. But what they've done in AEW, go right. back and watch their other stuff. Definitely. Get into that old catalog. And I'm not just talking about Orange Cassidy. I'm talking about your Joey Janellas and your Marco Stunts and your Mm -hmm. Chris Statlanders and and your fucking David Starr. I mean, everybody, man. There's so many talented people still in the indie scene. And, you know, I hope, my hope, my hope is that the indie scene survives this.
1: You can even go back and see some of the old stuff. Say you've got, you know, Honor Club. Go back and watch, you know, uh, Tyler Black. Go back and watch Brian Danielson. Samoa Joes. There's a ton the of shit. Go watch the Samoa
0: Joe yeah. CM Punk feud.
1: They've been running best ofs. Oh. Um, you also have the opportunity to watch, you know, guys that you're just now becoming aware of. Like you said, guys like, or women like Statlander, or Orange Cassidy. There's a wealth of stuff on guys like Trent and uh, Chuck Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go watch Triple A. Go look at, go watch uh, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Junior, and go use that as your springboard into watching Lucha Underground, which I think may still be on Netflix. Um, I need to
0: see if it's still on Netflix. If it is, I'm going to get into that.
1: Oh yeah, dude. If you if it's on Netflix, take the time you would like. Because I feel like I
0: started the first season and got oh, like, God. does Johnny Nitro or whatever does he debut at the end of season one?
1: He's uh, actually the very first. He's in season one's first episode. Okay, so like I he, saw him, so I'm not yeah, sure. How Johnny many of my Johnny guys are Mundo and uh Prince Puma a la Ricochet are yeah. the like major players for the whole series. But yeah, I mean I would real we'll talk, go watch uh Lucha Underground because you'll see guys like Luchasaurus. you'll see Jack Evans, you'll see um Willie Mack, who's in uh Impact now, you'll see guys like um Phoenix Pentagon Junior, um You'll see uh, Jeff Cobb. You'll see, uh, i trying to think of some other names, uh, cheerleader Melissa, uh, not Allison Kay, uh, um Why can't I think of her name? The girl from N- NWA. Um, Ashley K.
0: Allison uh, No, 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 no.
1: Uh, 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 Thunder Rosa.
0: <laughs> oh, Thunder Rosa, yeah, Those yeah. Are yeah Rosas Thunder Rosa's out there. Sorry.
1: Um, there's tons of people you'll recognize going back and watching Lucha Underground. Sweet. Well, I'm going to be doing that probably shortly.
0: Sounds like a there great go. plan. There you go. But, uh, bro, I think we'll take it home from there, yeah? Sounds good to me. As always, folks, you can check out the Journey Into Wrestling podcast every other Wednesday or whenever we decide to record. I don't know how this is going to drop because it's actually going to drop technically after release day, but close
1: enough. It's
0: weird. It's hard. apocalypse. It's the it's apocalypse. It's the the
1: apocalypse. Shit happens. <laughs>
0: yeah, shit happens. Life happens. We had to release it kind of like almost a day late. It, it happens. But like anyways, you guys can check us out every other Wednesday on the Journey into Comics network at comics.com Also get us on Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, Castbox, TuneIn, and most all other platforms that you can get podcasts. Just search Journey into Comics network. And, you know, we're just a community of friends trying to make great content for you folks to listen to around the world. Keep you happy and keep you having something to do. Anyways, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling. This has been Journey into Wrestling Season 4, Episode 17. Buckles, what's the title?
1: I'm still going to say uh, Ladder Bumping the Shark. Yeah,
0: Ladder Bumping the Shark. For sure. I've been Nate.
1: Still Buckles.
0: We'll see you folks later. Have a good one. Stay safe.
1: All right.